Was that my computer making that weird noise just yeah. there? Yeah. I don't know why that was happening. Wait, hold on. Let me well, see if I can. Uh, can you, is my computer still making a weird noise? Can you tell? No, your computer's up right now. All right. So there's nothing. Okay, I'm ready then. I thought okay, that there was a it. weird. I thought there was a weird sound emanating. No, your computer just played something. I didn't. And then it stopped. It was a really loud noise. Well, that unnerves me when things just start playing by themselves. Wait, hold on. Okay, but there's nothing happening now. I think it started playing. Here's the thing that just happens a little behind the scenes. I believe my computer just started playing Edgar Winter's Frankenstein. I think that's I think that's what just happened. Let me make sure that, that that's not actually going to happen again. Supposed to play? Oh, there you go. That you know you know why it sounded like Edgar Winter's Frankenstein? Because I inexplicably have Edgar Winter's Frankenstein playing in one of my other windows. Okay. Who's ready to begin? Oh, I am. Who wants to do a radio program right now? I have your uh, choice here. We can start with a classic bit of sci-fi sound, or we can start with something amusing that is also a comedic callback to yesterday. Amusing. All right. Do you want to amusing, everybody? Amusing? Amusing. All right. Hold on a second. Let's, uh... All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you national input. That is this... amusing. <laughs> you shut your mouth. Now, the talker. <laughs> Go placidly amid the noise and haste. All right. Uh, I have something amusing. Ladies and gentlemen. Remember the Pueblo. Strive at all times to bend, fold, spindle, and mutilate. Know yourself. If you need help, call the FBI. Exercise caution in your daily affairs, especially with those persons closest to you. That lemon on your left, for instance. Be assured that a walk through the ocean of most souls would scarcely get your feet wet. Fall not in love, therefore. It will stick to your face. Gracefully surrender the things of youth, birds, clean air, tuna, Taiwan. And let not the sands of time get in your lunch. Hire people with hooks. For a good time, call 606-4311. Ask for candy. Take heart amid the deepening gloom that your dog is finally getting enough cheese. And reflect that whatever misfortune may be your lot, it could only be worse in Milwaukee. of the universe. You have no right to be here. And whether you can hear it or not, the universe is laughing behind your back. Therefore, make peace with your God, whatever you conceive him to be, hairy thunderer or cosmic muffin. With all its hopes, dreams, promises, and urban renewal, the world continues to deteriorate. Give up. You are a
Hi, hello. It is 3 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of June of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The Talker. Talker. I checked last night. That's not actually in. It's been recorded. It hasn't been put in the system yet. Sometime in the next few days. Uh, it is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for joining us. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503-733-2970. That was Melissa Manchester singing in the background there. And I forget the guy who's actually doing the voiceover. But that, of course, is a parody of Desiderata by Les Crane, which we played yesterday and which you just heard in the recap hour. Where he's doing that to avoid loud and aggressive persons, for they are vexations to the spirit. Uh, so that is called Deteriorata. And it was on the National Lampoon Radio Dinner album, which I purchased on vinyl for $2 at CD Game Exchange. So there you go. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want you should uh, join us today. 503-733-2970 for your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, observations on that strange sound that Beaker always made on The Muppet Show, whatever it is you might have. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to uh, pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, uh, the tedious, the mundane. It is 503-733-2970. And we didn't really, we were running sort of behind uh, yesterday. We didn't have a whole lot of time at the end of the program, and we kind of had to give short shrift uh, to Tom and the other guys from Taboo Video who called up offering to outfit Richie in whatever lady garb uh, he might wish to wear. So we will uh, we will re-pursue that at some point because there's probably a full Richie Bristol cross-dressing shopping trip that is called for at this point. So we'll, um, I don't know, we'll handle that at some point. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... RickEmerson.com, uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. The other thing about George Michael's penis? I read that, yes. All right. I wonder if he's going to be showing that in Seattle. <laughs> one, one can only hope, Tim. Uh, so the best part is when is when they're interviewed. I think it's a woman who went to see him in, in Britain or whatever, and she describes it at the end. As, she said, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. But it's unclear about whether she's referring to the penis or to the actual concert, or perhaps to both. So, all right. Well, we'll talk more about that uh, later on, coming as he is to uh, to Seattle in uh, just a couple of weeks. Uh, what else is coming up today? Uh, we have uh, a penis watch quite apart from George Michael, or, you know, in addition to George Michael. Uh, Tanya watch coming up. Uh, I think we have a uh, I think we have a geek watch coming up today. Uh, we'll play Goth or Not as we have another copy of... Um, uh, we have another pair, that is, of Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets uh, for their show this coming Friday at the Amphitheater at Clark County. Tickets also available through all Ticketmaster outlets. Uh, we have a WWE uh, prize pack we're going to be giving away and uh, so forth, the Night of the Champions prize pack. Don't forget, if you are not signed up to be a Glorious Bastard, you got to do that because tomorrow we'll be doing the Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, for this week, and the winner of that gets a three-DVD set uh, prize pack of uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair DVDs. So that'll be uh, tomorrow. All right, so... All of that is coming up. Uh, we have, I can't even tell you how much time I spent this morning talking to Chris Paddock and then Susan Reynolds coming up with a list of overplayed instrumentals. Because originally I was going to do a top five. Because yesterday, I mean, we were sort of off track early on in the program. But yesterday we started off by talking about how we were going to do the top five spoken word songs. Which ended up not even really happening because Ballad of the Green Berets isn't spoken. It's sung. And then 
The Shatner thing is sort of its own creation, and then I left off your thing about the uh, in defense of America or whatever the hell that was. The American. Somebody else pointed out that I for, that I forgot um, an open letter to my son. That thing that came out in 1968 about I don't know why you have such a strange haircut and and it was it was a whole lot of like can't we like bridging the generation gap. I don't remember that one. Oh no, I forgot that. You know what else I forgot? I almost don't want I almost don't even want to tell you. I almost just want to spring spring them on you. I have two. That occurred to me actually during yesterday's top five, as we were counting down this alleged top five spoken word recordings. There were two that were so obvious. I mean, I really felt, I almost felt ashamed. I really just, I felt as though I had failed as a broadcaster yesterday. Especially as somebody who had to play both of these songs as a country DJ. Which should give you a little bit of a clue right there, Tim. So, in any event. So we'll get to those. And then today, we were going to sort of follow up yesterday's top five spoken word recordings by doing the top five instrumentals. And let me just, there is no way. There is no, I have, I have a list now in front of me of 14 instrumental recordings, all of which were hits, almost all of which have been overplayed at some point in time. And there's, there's no way to winnow it down. So what we may do is we may, I swear to God, we may actually just do like a crash, like a crash countdown of 14 instrumentals in a row. Because there's nothing I can leave off. I tried desperately. I looked at this list. I, I, I equivocated. I prevaricated. I pondered. I ruminated. I mused. And there's just no way to cut anything off of this. These are instrumental songs. They are all instrumentals. And here's the, Not a, spoken word. No, there's a couple of them. There's a couple of them that have a word here or there, but one in particular that is very famous. But the, the, the sort of rule we came up with, I was talking to Paddock about this, and the rule was that if the, if it was very, very rare that there were words in the song, in other words, if it was just a scattered word at the beginning or maybe somewhere at the end, and if it was not sung, if the word itself was spoken, uh, then it still counts as an instrumental. And that only affects two on the list anyway. So right here, get a list of the 14 most overplayed instrumentals of all time. So we'll do like 30 seconds from each at some point uh, later on in the program. What else is coming out today? CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us today. We'll also talk to CNN Radio uh, correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who continues to unravel this particular impregnated ball of yarn that is the Gloucester Teenagers. Yeah. We still never got to that thing yesterday about trying to come up with a name for the... Uh, you know, for the, the, the television, uh, you know, the made-for-TV movie about the pregnant teens. Your thing of 17 babies for 17 babies is pretty genius, though. Uh, I have watched quite a bit of Lifetime. Yes, yes. I know, and I know what, what flows off the off the Lifetime watcher tongue. So we'll try to get a couple of those put together for Steve today. Uh, we'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent James Roop as well. Um, I don't think we have Mr. Skin today. Is that right, Richie? Is he on vacation? I mean, it, it just staggers the mind that he would even need a vacation from that job, but what do I know? Uh, so, yeah, I don't think we have Mr. Skin today, so what we're going to do is we'll do something uh, special later on today, around 1.30 or so, uh, when we would normally be talking. Yeah, he's going for this week and next week. Okay. So w when we would normally be talking to Mr. Skin is around 1.30. So in the stead of Mr. Skin, uh, we will do sort of a three-minute high concept uh, uh, sort of fill-in. And we'll give you more details when we close it. But we'll have, we'll have you, the people, uh, fill in for Mr. Skin today. So we'll do that later. What else? There's probably other stuff, but I mean, there's no point in even trying to. It's no, but you know, and I've got this thing about warts, so we'll get to that. All right, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. A drunken Salem woman will get 16 years in prison for killing two Eugene musicians in a car wreck. A groping ex-cop could cost Portland $25,000. A Gresham police dog bites the wrong guy. A Gresham teen accidentally shoots a friend in the face with a shotgun. Crooked renters refill U-Haul gas tanks with water. 
An effort is underway to renew, uh, rename a sewage treatment plant in honor of George W. Bush. And a Titanic exhibit is postponed due to flooding. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. All right. Excellent. Sometimes, you know, the universe just hands us those things. Um, I... I don't even know. Before we move on, let me just say, I know that I mentioned this headline yesterday. Do you have this thing, though, about a dwarf who was accused of pimping a runaway? No, I don't. I'm just going to hand that to you. You Get to it. Don't get to it. I don't care. I mean, the whole story's in the headline there. I don't even really know what... I don't even really know what's to say beyond just the slug that they give you there. Plus, Tim Russell's picture is right above it. Really? For some reason. <laughs> Is the, that, dwarf, that, is the dwarf also accused of pimping Tim Russert? <laughs> uh, okay. okay. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely intelligent Sarah X. Dylan. Hello. How are you? I'm having a fantastic day, and I'm so excited. My sister's coming to town for like three hours this afternoon. Excellent. I haven't seen her since Christmas. Wait, just three? Is she on her way to Bremerton? No, she's in town. Uh, she's in Bremerton for her friend's wedding, and my mom and her, bless their hearts, are driving down for the day. Just to see you. Just to come down and see me, just so we can go out to dinner. Excellent. A I haven't seen her. reunion. Yes. I fantastic. I am so excited. So we're going to go out and get some food and like maybe go out for a drink, and then they have to turn around and drive back to Bremerton because her wedding's tomorrow morning. Is she going to be coming by the studio? No. Uh, no, my mom's not feeling well, and she said that she can't deal with your shenanigans today. Did she actually say that? <laughs> no, she's just like... My shenanigans? <laughs> your shenanigans. No, she's just like, you and your crazy radio friends, I can't do it today. I'm your sick. crazy radio friends. <laughs> what does she think we do here? Does she listen to the show? <laughs> she heard the whole thing yesterday, thank God. She didn't hear about Richie's cross-dressing and chasing men down. Oh, but she heard... Um, Shared the recap in the morning with the all right. all with the, the cobra. Exactly. I'm like, look, see, we talk about animals. I don't want to be attacked by a Burmese python, sweetie. If it's all the same to you, I'll just yeah. pass. We have uh, opium parties. <laughs> shenanigans. You know, shenanigans is a great word. Is there a bar, like yes. a singles club called shenanigans? No, there's a, a um, Irish bar. Okay, I was going to say, because there ought to be, that's like one of those scamps, tramps, shooters places. There ought to be, you know, come on, well, let's all meet at shenanigans tonight. All right. Well, excellent. Good for you. All right. Uh, I don't even. I don't even know what else. To, what else to get to here at the top? I mean, I'm just. I'm just so. I'm just so overwhelmed with stuff. Um, so before we plunge on ahead, let me just thank uh, Tim Riley for bringing in this copy of the New York Times Magazine. I'm looking at the cover, but this is the. Uh, well, I guess this is. Is this New York Times Magazine? Is is that weekly or monthly? Tim? It's in the Sunday paper. In the Sunday paper. Um, it is not light reading, by the way. Wow. I mean. If you were, if you have seen the cover of the new New York Times magazine for June 23rd, 2008, this is just the most badass thing I have ever seen in my life. It is a cover article about Mad Men, uh, which returns to television July 22nd for its uh, for its second season, and in the front is that, and I, I forget the actor's name, uh, Don Draper, and then of course he's got his secretary Peggy and his John wife. Ham. John Ham is that his name? Ham with two M. Ham, not like the meat. Uh, and then it's got his secretary, it's got his wife, and then it's got uh, what's her name, Joanne Holloway, who's like the office pump, uh, in the background, who's just, just unbelievably gorgeous. So I mean, how? And I know that I'm doing a thing of talking about a picture on the radio that no one can see, but if you get a chance, I don't know if you can see this online or if you're able to go to like uh, if the New York Times. New York Times dot com. If they yeah, they have the cover. I mean. If, if just once in my life, and I say this actually having had that really great photo taken by Jason Crump from Vanished Twin, that photo of the Rat Pack photo of us that we did for the listener party. So maybe I have had that moment. I was going to say, if just once in my life I could look that cool. Mm -hmm. Just if, for even just one tiny moment, if I could look this righteous. 
But I guess that's why that photo of us in front of the Hollywood Theater is so great because it, it just great. it's the closest I'm ever going to get uh, to sort of capturing this kind of a vibe. It is the best picture. That is very cool. All right, I'm going to go home and read that. That's wonderful. Excellent. All right, before we do anything else, then, let me just... I will do this so we can get it out of the way, Tim. So yesterday we did the, the alleged top five spoken word recordings of all time. And first of all, I was listening to the recap, and it wasn't just my imagination. That was, in fact, hilarious. because <laughs> It was. It was funnier than that. That Art Linkletter thing, back-to-back -back with the Shatner. And the Shatner, here's what I think about when I hear that Shatner Rocket Man recording. Where it's, and I think it's going to be a long, long... But even I'm injecting like more life and, and color into that than he had. You should have totally played the Stewie version of him doing that. My thing is, what what do you suppose the people in the audience at that point were thinking when that happened? I mean, that was in like 1978 or something. I mean, that was that was sort of before William Shatner became so known for doing that kind of a thing. Because at this point, you know, when Shatner gets on the stage and you know he does, she came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge or whatever. I mean, everybody goes, oh hey, it's Shatner doing his his kooky spoken word thing. What a card that guy is. What a clown. But I mean, at that point. I think he was still trying to be taken seriously as an artist, and I don't really know that we had entered the era of kitsch. And so imagine just being in the audience or whatever that television show was, and then the curtain goes up, and you're told that you're going to hear an Elton John song, and then instead it's just William Shatner sitting in a chair wearing a tuxedo, not moving at all for five and a half minutes while he just... She packed my bags last night. Pre-flight. <laughs> Zero hour. 9 a.m. And, and, you know, and then you realize you get another five minutes and 15 seconds of waiting for something to happen. And nothing ever does. It just must have been the most astounding time in our history. Um, well, let me do the, uh, a little segment of these two songs here, Sarah. And then we will, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a break here and we'll come back with uh, Lisa on the other side. All right, Tim. So these are two of the songs that were pointed out to me yesterday as having been egregiously omitted from our spoken word list. Do you have any guess? They are both country songs. I'm guessing... Teddy Bear. That's the first one. And I'm guessing you had to play that one oh. by, Re by Red Sylvine. Yes, yes. Sarah, do you know uh, Teddy Bear by Red Sylvine? I don't believe so. Let's take a listen now, shall we? We've played it before. Have we? Yeah. I don't think we've played Teddy Bear. I think we have. No, you're thinking of, um, you're thinking of Roses from Mama. We've never played Roses. You know the song Roses for Mama? <laughs> yes, I do. We've never played that. Roses for Mama, which is... What is that horrible country Christmas song uh, that we played last year? The Red Shoes or The Shoes That Are Red or Mama's Red Shoes? What is that song we played last Christmas about the kid who's got the dead oh, mom? Oh, the Christmas Shoes. The Christmas Shoes. It's a whole life. Like, Mom just <laughs> had a stroke. That's a song. Yeah. Just, Mom's got a tumor the size of a grapefruit. She'd re she could really use some shoes. This, <laughs> this Roses for Mama is not unlike that. Roses for Mama is... Uh, the version I have is by C.W. McCall of Convoy fame. Roses for Mama is a song where a boy, I believe, goes to a florist, and he puts a whole bunch of pennies down on the counter. And, he's, and, and the hook, of course, is, Roses for Mama, today's her birthday. Roses for Mama, like, I just had to say, I love you, Mama, or whatever. And so the kid is putting down, like, a hundred pennies on the counter. He's saved his pennies. And while he's, well, he's singing Roses for Mama. Because he's buying Roses for Mama because it's her birthday. But, of course... It's her birthday in heaven. <laughs> because, see, this, we could write one of those songs because she's dead. We should. I cannot so think the, we have it. And I think, at the end, the, I think at the end, the guy who is the florist is, like, driving home from work, like, well, 
That's another day at work at the floristry shop, and then he sees the kid in the cemetery like putting the roses on her on her grave. It's just the worst song ever. Okay, I posted the New York Times Magazine cover. I'll oh, look at that. Go to RileyLive.com if you want to take a look. Okay, you go to RileyLive.com, you will see the photo we're talking about from Season 2 of Mad Men. All right, so let's do a little Teddy Bear by Red Sovine. Who wants to hear that? Oh, I do. All right, so this, I had many people point this out to me yesterday. This song is also five minutes long. But it's hard to believe that songs used to be this lengthy. I was on the outskirts of a little southern town, trying to reach my destination before the sun went down. The old CB was blaring away on Channel 1-9 when there came a little boy's voice on the this radio. This is like Moon June Spoon, right? He said, Breaker 1-9, is anyone there? Come on back, truckers, and talk to Teddy Bear. Oh, my God. Well, I keyed the mic, and I said, you got it, Teddy Bear. And the little boy's voice came back on the air. Appreciate the break. Who we got on that end? I told him my handle and... Now, do you suppose this is a fake accent? Do you suppose that Red Sylvine is sort of... That he actually spoke this way? Or, do you, or is this a guy named, like, Chet Goldstein from Manhattan who decided to make some sort of money on the CB radio craze? All right, so... And he began. Now, I'm not supposed to bother you fellas out there. Mom says you're busy and for me to stay off there. There. But you see, I get lonely and it helps to talk. Because that's about all I can do. I'm crippled and I can't walk. <laughs> I came back. What a country pick-me-up this must have been. Uh-huh. This one's going out to everybody on their lunch break. It's Teddy Bear by Red Sylvain. I'm to far up that mic. Far. And I talked to him as long as he liked. This was my dad's radio, the little boy said. But I guess it's mine and mom's now. Because my daddy's dead. What the Dad had a wreck about a month ago. He was trying to get home in a blinding snow. Mom has to work now to make ends meet. And I'm not much help with my two crippled feet. She says not to worry that we'll make it all right. But I hear her crying sometimes late at night. You know, can I just say, can I make this observation? As much as we may make fun of Carrie Underwood or Shania Twain, you really do sort of understand why country music had to become a little poppier and happier to make it into the mainstream. Yeah. I mean, it's really difficult to hear. You you can't really picture like uh, you can't really picture like Kenny Chesney, you know, or Brad Paisley. Let me sing about a crippled kid whose dad was killed in a snowstorm. Wait, let me let me continue here. You know, there's one thing I want more than anything else to see. Oh, I know you guys are too busy to bother with me. But, you see, my dad used to take me for rides when he was home. But I guess that's all over now since my daddy's gone. Not one breaker came on the old CB as that little crippled boy talked with me. Did you get requests for this, Tim? hard to swallow Every night. a lump just wouldn't stay down. As I thought about my boy back in Greenville Town. Dad was going to take Mom and me with him later on this year. Well, I remember him saying, Someday this old truck will be yours, Teddy Bear. But I know I'll never get to ride an 18-wheeler again. I'm trying to picture who it is that calls you up at your radio station asking to hear this. If you saw pictures of these listeners... <laughs> 
<laughs> knitting needles coming out of their heads <laughs> while they're scrapbooking. <laughs> Waiting for their man to come out on parole. <laughs> Sitting there with some sort of plastic bowl of mixed nuts while they watch PTL. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, we're not even... We are now halfway through. We're officially halfway through the song. Well, we've got to just roll with All it. All right. Let's, by the way, this is I'm playing this off a YouTube slideshow where there's just endless pictures of logging trucks. All right, let's continue here. But this old base will keep me in touch with all my trucker friends. Teddy Bear's going to back on out now and leave me alone. Because it's about time for Mom to come home. But you give me a shout when you're passing through, and I'll sure be happy to come back to you. Well, I came back and I said, uh, before you go, 1010, what's your home 20, little CB friend? Wow. He gave me his address, and I didn't once hesitate. I was just going to say, I think the era when a small boy could get on the CB radio, because the CB radio for the purpose, would you agree for the purposes of this song, is is the Internet? I mean, uh-huh. the CB radio was the Internet of uh, of an earlier time, from the mid to mid to late 70s. Mm-hmm. Same thing. And, you know, and it, here's the other thing. It, it really is true. The CB radio and the Internet are sort of, I mean, one is the earlier version of another because it's all the same. You had your, you had your wacky handle. Because nobody went on and said, uh, my name is, uh, my name is uh, Bob Schlatterly. Except for unless you're Richie. Unless you're Richie and you're getting with the, the man woman across the seas. Your handle is I'm just Richie Bristol. Richie Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you go on the CB and everybody had their kooky handle. Did you have a CB radio handle, Tim? Yes, I did. What was it? It was the Torino. The Torino? That's because I was driving a Ford Torino. Excellent. Did you have a CB radio? Was it this is a home unit or mounted in your car? Or was it portable? Well, everyone had one in the car. Yeah. Did you have the uh, now? Did you did you have the little uh, the thing? It was like the um, like the thing that cops had. The thing you you hold it up to your mouth and you press the button. You get one nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The my grandfather thought he was just like a. But he was the coolest guy in the block because he had a tele. He had sort of wired together his CB to where he could actually have like a regular telephone handset with a button on the side of it. So it did, in fact, look like he. But it was like that. It was that weird, big, plasticky, tan telephone handset that everybody had in the 70s that he had wired up to his uh, to his CB. I had a Regency police scanner in my car too. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, and so that not only did everybody have the uh, have the the weird handle, which is like a logon name now on the internet, but there was also this all the same sort of slang, right? So we didn't have like LOL or BTW or TTYL. There was like ten four and I don't know what was like what's your twenty or something, which is like where where are you? I'm um, over at the choke and puke. That was a truck stop. <laughs> Keep an eye out for Smokey. Just All right, let's buckle down and finish this. I turned that truck around on a dime and headed straight for Jackson Street. The point is, I don't think you should be giving out your address to a trucker. That boy sounded succulent and tender, and I. I decided to pay him a visit. Did he truck around to go visit a little crippled boy? That's what that's what we were saying. I mean, I think now, if, if this song took place now, it would be on the Internet. And I think that the, the trucker would end up being a sexual predator uh, who molested everybody in the house and then, uh, you know, and, and then wore their skin. Oh, I got one heck of a shot. Eighteen wheelers were lined up for three city blocks. So the truckers have all come well, by to visit the small boy. For miles around had caught Petty Bear's call. And that little crippled boy was having a ball. For as fast as one driver would carry him in, 
another would carry him to his truck and take off again. This is really perverse. <laughs> we all had our way with that boy. We took turns at Becky. <laughs> I never realized how disgusting this sounds. It's really perverted. It sounds like there's about 40 truckers all lining up to molest a small child. And he there's, was just loving every minute of it. There's What? What? Look over there. Well, you better believe I took my turn at riding teddy bears. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. I forgot all about that line. Wow. What? And I've never had anything like it. You really have never seen the intro for this show, too. And then I carried him back in and put him down in his chair. Laid his battered, broken body back on the bed. For the next truck driver. Covered in blood and sweat. And, buddy, if I never live to see happiness again. I want you to know I saw it that day in the face of that little man. Really? There's just... <laughs> this is pretty bad. <laughs> we all took our turn. We took up a collection for him before his mama got home. Uh-huh. Oh, so the best part is so his mother's not home. <laughs> so mom is gone. Mom is gone. All these truck drivers are pulling up in front of the house. <laughs> having their way. Taking their turns riding little teddy bear. Which is how I believe he puts it in the song. That's exactly what he And did. there's no mom around. No. And where do you live that you can park 30 18-wheelers out front? I don't know. That is a good question. I heard said goodbye, and then they were all gone. He shook my hand with a mile-long grin and said, So long, Tucker. I'll catch you again. Well, I hit that interstate with tears in my eyes. And I turned on the radio, and I got another surprise. Breaker 1-9 came a voice on the air. Just one word of thanks from Mama Teddy Bear. Oh, God. We wish each and every one a special prayer for you. Because you just made my little boy's dream come true. Well, everybody's got a dream. Before I start to cry, may God ride with you. 10-4. And goodbye. What a pansy. <laughs> Why is he all, like, crying and creepy? I don't know. Wow. I think context is everything, isn't it? Uh-huh. I'm glad we played that. I really am. I Early on in that song, uh, early on there, I didn't really, I didn't really know if that song was going to pan out comedically, but thank God that Red Sovine came through at the end. All right. Well, we don't have time to play the other one, but that we'll do it later thing on. Ever. Wow. Boy, that's creepy. Uh, let's see. Let's do this one call, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back to Lisa Desjardins. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. That's uh, one song of a three-part series. You mean, uh, no, there's more? Wait, so there wait, there, there's, there's a three-part there teddy, teddy bear series? Yeah, there other artists had responses to it. Oh, of course, yeah. So, And the second one was Mom's sick. She's still lonely because, you know, her two men are dead. Right. So the truckers come over to keep her happy. <laughs> really? One at a time? <laughs> and then the third one is like Christmas Eve or something. And it's one of the truckers that was involved with Teddy Bear. He's driving on a little strip and he's remembering how he, the good old days with Teddy Bear and Teddy Bear's mama. <laughs> reflecting reflecting on those good times he had with exactly. Teddy Bear and Teddy Bear's mom. It's really oh, all right. That's great disturbing. and awesome and disturbing. I'll have to look for that. Thank you. Uh, thank you, my friend. Didn't Red Sovine follow that up with, didn't he have Phantom 309? Oh, was that before after? I think, because he had a whole series of trucker songs. I think Phantom 309 was about, like, a ghost trucker. It was, like, his weird sort of country Twilight Zone song. 
All right, we should take a break. Let's come back after this. Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Jim Rube coming up later his on the morning. His real name was Woodrow Wilson Servine. His, his uh, nickname was Red. Now, does he say where he's from? Is he legitimately, is he a legitimate hick? He uh, died in 1980. Uh, looks, he was born in Charleston, West Virginia, so he was a hick. There you go, an authentic American Rube, his ladies and gentlemen. His taught him how to play guitar. Of course she did. He used to play with Jim Pike's Carolina Tar Heels. On WWBA Wheel in West Virginia. Now, people are just sending me nothing but Red Sovine links now. All right. He uh, was a supervisor at a hosiery factory. <laughs> really? Uh huh. So, not a trucker? No. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Come on back and talk to Rick Emerson. Uh, all right. Oh, and Tim has already found roses for Mama, which is also done by Red Sovine. It's all very confusing. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We do have our finger in the cultural pulse, by the way, because I was listening to Adam Carolla on Monday. And Carolla was doing a whole 20-minute segment about the gang-raping portion of Coward of the County. So there you go. That's it. Our finger up to sense the prevailing wind, ladies and gentlemen. It's 503 coming up later on with the Cena Radio Correspondents. James Roop and Steve Kastenbaum uh, will do the uh, 14 most overplayed instrumentals of all time. Uh, and uh, we will have uh, y'all fill in for uh, the vacationing Mr. Skin in the 1 o'clock hour. Plus, goth or not, this, however, from the hill. CNN Radio Correspondent to the Stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello and how are you today? I am fantabulous. Are you a fan of the television show Mad Men? Now, you know, I haven't seen it. I, I would like to be a fan, but I have not seen it. Well, regrettably, you're now dead to me. So we we'll oh, just have to move. Thought, you know, we thought, yeah, I know. Have we had this discussion before? And did you not watch it since then? Yes. All right. Well, that's okay. I'm, I'm just, sorry. I'm sorry. Here's the thing. I'm looking out for you, Lisa. This is uh, Rick Emerson has your best interest at heart here. I need to hit the DVR on that. I just never, I never make it. And our, our DVR is filled with Kenny versus Spenny, and I, I, we need to go through that. Your DVR is filled with what versus what? Kenny versus Spenny. Please to explain. Can we not discuss this? No. Ah, uh, for the Canadians in the audience, uh, here, here's a nice topic. It's a show on the Game Show Network, and I also believe it, and I know actually it was picked up by Comedy Central with the help of the guys from South Park. Uh, it was on Game Show Network at 2 in the morning for the longest time. Very low budget, a uh, lot of... You know, dorky bathroom humor. Two guys. Every half every half hour episode is them having a contest between the two of them. And so, is it is it a is it scripted or is it? Well, you know what they they try the whole the the shtick is that it's not supposed to be scripted, and the one guy Kenny always cheats, and Spenny always tries to play by the rules and see if he can win honorably, but it, it feels like there's, there's, there's some setup in there for sure. Is that the most frequently recorded program in your DVR? In other words, if you were to look at the DVR and, you know, like my TiVo does, it you know, creates a folder for each show and then it'll tell you how many episodes are in there. Are there more episodes of that, would you say, on your DVR than any other program? Easily. Sarah, yeah. right now on your, like on your TiVo or, you know, whatever, like in your sort of queue of things you're going to watch, what would you say would be the most frequently recorded thing? I know you don't have the cable at the moment. Um, yeah. Would it be Lost or would it be... Probably Family Guy. Family Guy, yeah. Yeah, Family Guy's a big oh, one. Oh, that's funny. good. Yes, that's a bit high high rewatchability. And see, for me, I got that Anthony Bourdain No Reservations show uh, on the Travel Channel. Uh, I have literally at the moment, I think I have 44 episodes of that uh, sort of sitting there <laughs> that my wife and I are working our way through. We're trying to get, which it really at a certain point, I'm not trying to. I mean, this is a truly American problem, but it does almost become a task at some point. 
where you sort of turn on the... I think that, that, that people in radio, consultants in radio, constantly try to peddle this, this fictitious condition called iPod fatigue, which is a thing that you will read about, like, in the pages of R&R or All Access or something, which is a totally and utterly non-existent condition that they are desperately trying to wish into existence by writing about it. Um, but I do believe that there is a thing like called, called TiVo fatigue, or there ought to be, which is where... You turn on your DVR, your TiVo, whatever it is, and you look and you realize that you've got 74 hours of programming to watch. And then there's just, I, I think, I realized at one point that given, like on a TiVo, you can get like, you know, like a season pass, which is basically where it records every episode of a given show when it comes on. You can get it, you can set it to record uh, keywords. In other words, you can say Spike Lee, and then every Spike Lee thing that comes on, TiVo will grab it and you know and, and record it and save it on the. And I realized that given my season passes, given my the wish list, my keywords, everything that the TiVo basically was set to record, that it really was it was just a truly Sisyphean task uh, uh, where th- the programming was being recorded faster than I could have watched it if I had three sets of eyes. So. <laughs> So it's almost as if you're approaching a giant mountain made of pizza, and you're just, I forget it. I have no chance. It's not at all like that, but you know what it's like? Here's what it's like. Have you read the book Papillon? No, I have not. All right. In the book Papillon, which is, uh, of course, about the the Devil's Island prison, he describes one of the ways where prisoners would be punished. And if you had somehow wronged your captors, they would give you like a sterling silver... Like a tray, like a like a pe- like a like a serving tray made of sterling silver, and they would send you outside, and they would say, "And now, because you have displeased your captors," I say in a weird, nondescript accent, "Now, because you have displeased us, uh, you must now clean this silver tray." And they would give you a thing of polish and like a scrubbing brush or whatever, and this silver tray, and they would tell you you could not come back inside or have a meal until the serving tray was clean and untarnished. But the problem was. The um, humidity in the air was such that the tray actually tarnished faster than you could polish it. So that's really what the DVR is. This is the longest amount of time I have ever spent something that uh, spent on something that is so utterly insignificant. This is why other people hate us. Rick Emerson is why they hate us. I'm telling you though, Kenny versus Benny. I don't. I don't know. I might. It's- I, I like it. I Are like you a fan of Canadian television in general, or this is this is all that I know of Canadian television? Well, that's probably not true. But, but for, this is all I know of modern Canadian television, and uh, so yes. Really, I just know that uh, I just know that red green program that always seems to be on PBS. Oh, that. That's it. I know that, and I know Trailer Park Boys. Wasn't uh, Kids in the Hall? Kids in the Hall was Canadian. Yes, well done. Uh, not a thing that I watch, but a thing that uh, I mean, I really respect the kids in the hall. But I have a real—they're uh, very good at what at what they do. But I just have a, I have a low tolerance for sketch comedy. Uh, sketch. You can't do that on television, Canadian. Sketch. Uh, yes, also Canadian. Well done. Can you can you name a cast member that is not Kevin Kubitschewski? Or Alanis Morissette? Nah, she doesn't really count as a cast member, though. I wouldn't say because I mean, wasn't she? I think, I think she was only on like three episodes, which I guess is maybe three more than me. <laughs> Can you name one of the? Can you let me put it this way? Can you name a? I guess colloquially speaking, a permanent cast member of You Can't Do That on Television that is not Kevin Kubitschewski. Cannot. Come on, not even one, not even the host. Be able to? No, I. Not even the host whose nickname was Moose. Oh, geez, no, I can't. Oh. Her last name was Irish. You got me. You got. Christine McGlade. I I give up. Christine Moose McGlade. Nice. Also, uh, the Motormouth sidekick Lisa Ruddy. Yeah. Oh. Uh, we would also have accepted uh, Alistair. Oh, damn it! I've overreached now. 
I did three, and now I've gone to Alistair, and I want to say Alistair Cook, but clearly that's wrong. Alistair. All right. Well, I've got nothing. What were we going to be talking about today before I started derailing everything with my particular brand of insanity? Well, I can give you, I can give you a menu. Uh, we've got many an energy topic, many, many an energy topic. We've got the energy outlook for the next 20 years. We've got Congress and energy. We have energy prices today. We also have... Uh, the Federal Reserve has just made a decision on interest rates, that decision being not to change interest rates, uh, significant because for the last 10 months, every time the Federal Reserve has met, they've cut interest rates, and this basically means they're more worried about inflation than about the general economy. So we've, we've got that. Uh, I feel like there's a couple other things, too. Oh, oh, it also says here, I'm looking at the prep sheet, it says, I'm just going to read you this, <laughs> and then see if you can tell me what doesn't make sense. It says... After wrapping up the longest presidential primary campaign in modern history, Hillary Clinton told reporters Tuesday she is ready to turn her attention back to the junior senator from New York. One of those reporters was our own Lisa Desjardins. Oh, does it say that? And then it says, pictured. And then, of course, you are not pictured anywhere. Oh, no. It says that you are, in fact, pictured. It says that parenthetically, pictured. You oh, are, in fact, not. No. So, so you, I think you might, have, you might have mentioned this yesterday, but perhaps I missed this, this particular facet of the story. Did you actually have, a, have face-to-face conversations with Hillary Clinton? Well, yes. I mean, I was, I, I was jammed right next to her in, in this sort of crush of press, but, but I intended to be so. Now, is it, I mean, in person, just, I mean, does she have a sort of... Um, an intimidating presence in person when you were sort of there uh, physically close to her would you say that she has would you say that she has a gravitas wow those are different questions that um i think she definitely does but i, I think once you are used to being around her um it becomes easier i think when you first deal with her and especially it's easier to much easier to be around her in washington uh when she's a senator than on the campaign trail it's it's vastly different world. She is the same, but the uh, staff around her is incredibly different. Her campaign staff really uh, could be very obnoxious in, in the ways that they would go to put you exactly where they wanted you. I mean, they're doing their jobs from, from their point of view, but from our point of view, they really did not need to be quite so um, brutal or cold about the whole thing. Would you and say that's that... still very different, very easy, to, much easier when she's around to get access, and, and the press, her, her press staff is very different. Would you say that that's more and more, though, the case with every presidential campaign, that each group of sort of staffers, advance men, planners, body men, drink the Kool-Aid to a greater extent than those who came before? Yes, that's right, and, it, and, it, and it's so... Everything is us versus them, and it, it's not... It's, it's them versus Obama, them versus the press, them versus whatever newspaper has an editorial against them is that is that beca- completely combative not to not to reduce it down uh, absurdly but is that would you say an outgrowth of what was watergate the tipping point for that where the where politics became so adversarial that one needed to align oneself against enemies perceived or real well you could say it was richard nixon it was before watergate richard nixon certainly had that attitude even when he was debating john kennedy he felt that the press was against him and that he was going to do everything he could to contain the press, work around the press, uh, and that he, he was a man who was pretty Machiavellian about the whole thing. He, he was going to uh, take down his enemies at whatever cost. So, so you could go back then, you know, but then you could even go much farther and we could get into a whole sort of Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and the way their surrogates were back around the, you know, back around the turn of the uh, you know, 18th century. Is that right? Now, what is it? It's the turn of the 20th century. Is that going into 20 to 21st, or is that 19th to 20th? 
No, the, tw- the turn of the 20th century would be when it when we went from 1899 to to 1900. Gotcha. Okay, got it. All right. Um, so we're we're good. So I guess actually the turn then of the uh, 19th century, right? Am I? I'm just mixing up my numbers. No, no, no. It's fine. You know, this is what makes these phone calls very special, and I don't I don't mean that in an Eddie Haskell kind of way. <laughs> I mean that sincerely. And and just and I know because I used. Anyways, yeah, I think this kind of combative politics has been part of American democracy for a long time. But I think we're seeing um, because of the money right now. For one thing, we're, we're seeing uh, some real kind of it's on steroids essentially. And I would say that the internet probably contributes to that too, because there is such because attack operations uh, against a candidate can be so. I hate to use the word viral again, but they can just come from any direction and they can come overnight. I mean, you can, uh, I mean, even look back now, like that Swift Boat thing now even seems so slow the way that it unfolded and developed. Uh, and you see, it's sort of like playing whack-a-mole. Like, you know, you have this this whole insanity about this Michelle Obama racial epithet tape, which I think everybody kind of figured out didn't, it didn't really exist. But I mean, that went from not being a story to threatening being a story to vanishing all within the space of about seven days, which is, and so your, your response to that, your response team has to be just as entrenched and just as sort of on hyper point alert all the time. True, and it's a real problem, I think, in journalism. Journalism has a lot of problems right now, but one of them is that these barbs are flying across the political stadium all the time, and it's almost incumbent on us to check a lot of them out, if not all of them. But 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 then what you're doing is you're just chasing these attack stories all the time instead of trying to get outside of it and really get some you know, kind of you know shoe leather journalism going you're, you're spending a lot of your time tracking down these false leads or sometimes legitimate leads that are attack stories by the way as we prepare to wrap this up tim riley wants to know your thoughts on degrassi junior high if in fact you watch that program oh no i didn't one of my best girlfriends love that show though but no i'm sorry tim i'm no. letting you down i do have a thing for girls who say a boot so uh, <laughs> all right all right thank you lisa desjardins we will talk to you in the immediate future enjoy the rest of your day may it be splendid you too kenny uh, versus benny good stuff thank you bye lisa desjardins ladies and gentlemen did you know that john wayne had a big spoken word hit the american no, America, why I love her. Oh no, America, why I love her. That's uh, that uh, a guy, uh, a guy called up yesterday and told us about that. Let's see, and I wrote it down and then I and I never found it. You know who has a copy of that in the original vinyl is Mike Chase. Oh really? But he's kind of a connoisseur of bad uh, sort of recordings. I can't remember what it is. I don't. Do you have it over there? Yeah, I do. Let's see. Is this America, why I love her? It came on an album, so he did an album of spoken word stuff. Yeah. You're up. All right. Let's see. It's playing. Hmm. It should be playing. Why do I not hear anything? All right. Well, let me find another version. Hi, you're on the. Uh, YouTube does that to you. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Oh, nothing much. Listen, that mountain full of of pizza. Oh gosh. Listen. Um, got to find on CB radio. Yes. You'll never talk on CB radio again after you've seen the movie that has a character called Candy Cane. It's a horror movie. This trucker guy hunts them down and tracks them all over the country and kills them. Did you run to the top of a flight of stairs before making this call? Yes, I did. All right. Actually, unfortunately, I'm a coronary patient. Oh, oh but that's well, right. there, what? Hello? What? Oh, so there was a weird noise there. Tied up in the closet. Okay, we're going to have to run. What's the name of the movie? I uh, don't know the name, but the character is Candy Cane. A trucker named up. Candy Cane. All right. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right. Bye. Crazy in the air, crazy in the air. Right. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. 
Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm relatively sane in an oasis of insanity. No, I'm an, o- I'm an oasis of sanity. You know, this all started to fall <laughs> apart when Lisa was talking about a mountain full of pizza. I don't know. I'm kind of normal today, and everybody else is crazy, I think. So, you know. Am I? No, no, no. I mean, everybody, I mean, you know, the other people. I mean, there's us, and then there's the rest of the world. I think the rest of the world's a little nutty today, but, you know, who's to say? How are you, sir? How are things in the big city? They're good. You know, I keep seeing things about Portland, by the way, about what a great city it is. It's a city on the go. As far as uh, biking is concerned, uh, how bike-friendly it is, uh, how there's that movement to uh, rip up pavement and return surfaces uh, to uh, to like a, a surface that can absorb water, you know, like grass and gravel and that sort of thing. Man, I, I want to move to Portland now. <laughs> yeah, Portland, Oregon is a, it, it is a city on the move, my friend. Uh, it, it, I think I read somewhere that we were either the first or second. I think I want to be first because I can't remember who the, I can't. We must have been first because I can't imagine who else would would be more bike friendly than us. But it was some uh, magazine, biking magazine, that a story about the most bike friendly cities in America, and I do believe we were number one. Um, because there's just, there's so much, I, I'm not even going to say, it's not even just that people ride a lot of bikes, or there's a bike culture. Uh, and plus, we're just, it's just a city filled with hippies. I mean, there's just no getting yeah. around that. Because uh, well, they, they keep making references to it here, because we have a new uh, Department of Transportation commissioner who's uh, very proactive in installing new bike lanes on avenues, and everybody gets upset because, oh, you're taking a lane away from, from cars and, and whatnot, but the biking community is loving it, and, you know, they keep increasing the number of commuters here, and they always reference Portland, how well it works there. Well, Portland, I will say this, in any number of things, Portland really is, uh, we are sort of at the the forefront of this, Uh, see also mail-in voting, uh, voting by mail, which is why when there was that whole, which I think is mostly behind us, that whole debacle about how are Florida and Michigan going to be redoing their primaries if they redid the primaries, and and somebody said, well, I don't know, they could do a mail-in primary, and then Florida said, we don't even know how that works. How do you do a mail-in, you know, Uh, but of course, we, you know, all of our, you know, we, everything is done by mail here in terms of voting. So uh, no, it's uh, we are uh, we're at, we're you know we're glad to be out here at the bleeding edge of uh, of evolution, my friend. Yeah, you know they always say you know look at California to see how the rest of the country is going to go as far as you know moving environmental uh, you know policies ahead. But I think you guys are the leaders. I think uh, it, you know what it is. There's the, there's two different ways you can run a state. It is sort of like uh, sort of like an animal house when Tom Hulse has the passed out girl in his room and the little you know the the angel appears on one shoulder and the devil appears on the other. I right. think that we are. I think we're really like the liberal bleeding heart, uh, you know, angel that's always trying to figure out how to plant more daisies or whatever. Uh, you know, and meanwhile, California is just a place of filth and rot and despair and pain and ugliness and grit and dirt and hate. I mean, I'm just saying, just, you know, I don't mean to nitpick. Well, God bless you in Portland. Well, that's what we do. Uh, hey, so a couple things. A, you got this, so this naked cowboy lawsuit thing. Wait, so he, what did he get the, did he get the okay to sue? This is hilarious. All right, so you know what the naked cowboy does? He stands out there in sure. Times Square. I don't know if you can if you can hear this well, but I got like a little video clip here from CNN TV. And he's basically standing out in the rain, and he's all buff. You know, he obviously goes to the gym like 10 hours a day or whatever, and he stands out there in nothing but tidy whities a cowboy hat, and uh, cowboy boots and a guitar, and he sings this stupid song, I'm the naked cowboy, doing what I ought to do, or something like that. And then people come up and take pictures with him. So here's a little little clip of that, right? I'll see if you can hear this. Keep in mind, it's raining while he's doing this. Step up and be ready. Don't be bashful. Lady, step up and be ready. Don't be bashful, he says. And then, and then he's doing the muscular pose, you know, uh-huh. flexing. 
yeah, this is what we need in, in Times Square. And so the deal is, but he is suing because they've got because the M M&M and M company has got that M M&M and M that basically is a knockoff of him, right? Right. They've got the M and Ms on a, on a video screen in Times Square, and you know it's a little parody. One looks like the Statue of Liberty, and then all these, and one's climbing the Empire State Building like uh, King Kong would. Well, one of them, the blue M and M, there's a you know screenshot of him playing a guitar, wearing tidy whities a cowboy hat, and a boot. And boots, I mean. And so Naked Cowboy wanted to sue them, saying they were ripping off his image and his brand. Uh, the judge sort of gave him a victory, although stripped some of his abilities to sue. Uh, he, they, the judge said that he can sue Eminem, maker Mars now, because it, it would give the appearance that he's actually endorsing Eminem's. <laughs> All right. You know, this is really, I was just talking to Lisa about about reasons why the rest of the world looks at us as being inane, and it's just because we spend a disproportionate amount of time talking about a lawsuit between a naked cowboy and a fictitious talking candy. I mean, really, that's what we spend our time doing in this in this fading republic of ours. And, like, I'm really thinking whether the naked cowboy endorses M&M's. As, I don't know. As I, think I, as I think I told you when this whole thing came up, really, the, the weirdest thing is not thinking about whether the naked cowboy endorses M&M's, but the fact that Schillinger the Nazi from Oz is the voice of the yellow M&M. So just think about that the next time he's trying to sell you something. Hey, before we go, uh, we were talking about this uh, this thing with the 17 Gloucester kids that allegedly made the pregnancy pack and the whatever pack. Uh, and so we were talking about we were brainstorming names, and so I think right. we've we've just we really we got a bunch of submissions from the listeners, but I think Sarah probably came up with the best one. Mine was leader of the pact, which doesn't doesn't really work all that well. Oh, that's good though. I didn't hear you say that last time. Sarah's is much better. Sarah. Oh, I had um, seventeen babies for seventeen babies. Oh, that's classic. There you go. So that's the I one you. good ones. Yeah. That's the one you got to go with. So at some point, you know. If you need to, uh, you know, if you, if you need to sort of throw in a little, uh, you know, observational humor about that, that's what you can do. You can go with that, my friend. And you could probably, you know, cast one of the uh, like like washed up, long forgotten actor actresses from like Meatballs as as the from talent. Meatballs. Yeah. Really, you can you can act you can cast Sally Kellerman as the uh, you know as the judgmental grandmother. Yeah, something mm- like that. Meatballs. All right, you're the first person in like I don't know three or four years to make a Meatballs reference on this show. I, I, I'm so happy because you always pull out the really good 70s movie references. I'm so glad I can pull one out and beat you to it. Here's the thing about Meatballs. The only person, I mean, other than Bill Murray, the only person from that movie who I even know by name is Chris Makepeace. Chris Makepeace? Chris Makepeace was the kid. He was the main, oh, the, 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 the nerdy guy. He was also, Chris Makepeace was also the kid who was bullied in My Bodyguard. Right, right, yes. Uh, Chris Makepeace was also in a Nickelodeon uh, like a, a sort of real people for kids on Nickelodeon called Going Great. Uh, he's also a godless Canadian, by the way, just like in case you were wondering. You know what? If I ever come up there, I'm going to spend a week studying my 70s movie and TV trivia so you and I can have a go at it. Yeah, but on the other hand, you have a life. So, you know, so it all kind of balances out in the end. There's a yin and a yang for everything. You amaze me, though. You really do. Well, you know. I'm just glad. I'm just glad I can amuse for you know for a handful of seconds at a time. You make my day. All really? right, my friend. Well, you know what? Now, see, now I'm going to feel all this pressure. Now, tomorrow I'm going to have to start busting a, like a weird good times trivia or something. <laughs> all right, my friend. Enjoy your day. We will speak with you soon, Steve Castenbaum. Thanks a lot. Right, Take care. Steve Castenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. I light up his hero. life. <laughs> you give him hope. <laughs> Come on back and talk to Teddy Bear. Who wants to hear one of our many terrible instrumentals that we're going to play today? I, I, All right. Am I uh, am I up over there? Yes, sir. Is this me? 
All right. Let's see. What is going on? Now yours isn't working? Let's see. See if mine's working. You're both up. You know this one, Tim. God, no. Tim Riley named that tune. I'll fit the bait to Bye. Oh, come on. You lived through this. I know. Tim was actually just... Tim actually just put his hand on his head and was jiggling his head back and forth rapidly as though trying to shake the information loose. It just doesn't happen. Walter Murphy and his Big Apple Band. Here's why Sarah cares about this. The guy who did this is the guy who does all the music, including the theme for Family Guy. All right. We'll be back after this, kids. Don't you go anywhere. It's the Rick Everson Radio Program. Coming up next, Tim Riley at the Noon News Hour. Later on, we'll play Goth or Not. You'll fill in for Mr. Skin, and we'll talk to Jim Roop. Stay there. They have the greatest title here. Really, that song would have to be fantastic to live up to this title. Somebody just sent this to me, uh, Nicholas. Hey, Rick. A pretty great spoken word song is by the Bloodhound Gang. It's called A Lap Dance is So Much Better When the Stripper is Crying. Title pretty much says it all. Yes, it does, sir. My favorite Bloodhound Gang song is Be Pretty When I'm Drunk. Really? It's hilarious. Excellent. You know, I do, I do kind of like those guys despite myself. In spite of myself? I can't talk today. Uh, the Bloodhound Gang is sort of one of those bands that I feel like I ought to not like, but I sort of do, because they're just so... Here's the, the thing about the Bloodhound Gang, uh, led by uh, Jimmy Pop, is that they're just so cheerfully vile. I mean, that's the great thing. You know, that I really like that, when a band is just... Uh, when a band really just embraces uh, their own horrific, offensive stupidity and just kind of runs with it. Good for them. All right, by the way, if you want to see this righteous picture... From the cover of New York Times Magazine uh, for Mad Men uh, Season 2, you can see it at RileyLive.com. RileyLive.com. Uh, it's incredible. It really is. I mean, it's just... I, it, it, here's the thing. Let me just make this one observation about uh, about John Hamm as Donald uh, Don Draper, uh, which I will then tie into Joaquin Phoenix, uh, then we'll go to the news, is that this is... See, I could almost get away with framing this and hanging it somewhere. Because it's so cool. I mean, because, and plus there's three chicks on the cover. So it's like, it's not just Don Draper. Because there's his secretary, his wife, and then that girl who's sleeping with the, with the head of the office. Um, so I could almost get away with buying this, framing it, and sticking it somewhere like in my office or whatever. But, but really, let's be honest, I would have to be honest with it. The, the reason I'm hanging it is not because it's got these three girls. I would be hanging it up because I just want to sit and stare at that guy. I want to sit and stare at Don Draper. Because he's just so unbelievably cool. And this is not unlike when Walk the Line came out and Rolling Stone did this big article about Joaquin Phoenix. And they had the best picture of Joaquin Phoenix is probably ever going to be taken. I mean, he's one of those things. It was him and he was sort of in like a 1970s sort of kitchen. And it was a black and white shot of him leaning up against the stove, not dressed as Johnny Cash as, Cash as such, but he sort of had a retro feel to it. And he had this kind of like a checked shirt with sort of mother of pearl buttons and rolled up sleeves, and then he had a cigarette kind of dangling out, and he just looked so unbelievably cool. Uh, but, but like, there's no, you know, there's no way I can't put up a framed picture of Joaquin Phoenix in my office because that just makes me look weird. So this I could almost do though. So I'm just saying. So Richie's a crossdresser, and you like to frame <laughs> pictures of men just to stare at for hours. 
Remember, Sarah, it's not gay if there's a girl involved. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Oh, these wily thieves. Crooks have come up with a new scam to get out of paying for gasoline, and it's costing truck rental companies thousands of dollars. So these crooks go out and rent the U-Haul trucks, and you're supposed to bring them back with a full tank of gas. But when the time comes to return it, they top up the tank with water yeah. instead of gas, and they wreck the engine. So U-Haul dealers say the scam has uh, become widespread as the gas prices continue to rise. They have five or six water in the tanks just this week alone. Wait, but uh, hold on. So they're not renting the vehicles for the purpose of stealing gas. They're just renting the vehicles, and then when it comes time to fill it back up, mm-hmm. they do, this is, in other words, they're not renting the vehicle just to siphon the gas out. That's correct. They're just, they're renting it because they need a U-Haul, but at the end, they're like, well, I guess i got to fill up this tank. Well, that's going to suck. Maybe I'll just put a garden hose in here. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's no, and you would, I mean, you would think that they would realize, I mean, how do they think that the company's not going to know, I mean, they keep records of it, and they're basically, they're just going to come to your house and, you know, give you a good, uh, all right, well, whatever. So that's that's pretty, well, that's d- different anyway. Doesn't it seem like we're having just, I mean, I know gas is expensive, mm-hmm. and I don't want to turn this into a whole gas expense discussion Talk again. more about gas. <laughs> you know, consultants love talking about gas, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about, <laughs> never mind, never mind, never mind. People are referring to big cities. No, you know what, I was going to say something, I was going to say something overly specific, and I've just decided not to do it. But let, let me just say this. That I don't want to turn this into a whole gas discussion again, but I, yeah, I know gas is expensive. I know that it's like four whatever, and diesel is like five something. But but I mean, really, you think we're overreacting just a little bit? Like that story that, that Michael Mara had on his show, that some guy went nuts at the gas station and stood on top of the gas uh, on the on top of a convenience store with a high-powered rifle, screaming about how gas was too expensive. I mean, it just seemed like we it, because here's the thing: if we're this upset about it now, we're gonna have nowhere to go when gas is nine dollars a gallon. We will have used up all of our outrage. You got to hold something back, you know what I mean? Don't go mental and start punching a guy in the face now when it's four dollars and fifteen cents. When it's six dollars, then you're going to have to set yourself on fire in protest. I mean, you you can't, you know, you don't lead with your right, friends. You got to hold something back. Here's Tim Riley. So the car manufacturers are trying to come up with new ways to sell well these old gas guzzlers, and Chrysler has come up with a solution for people wanting to be more connected while on the road. Uh, Chrysler, by the way, is the third largest automaker. They're going to offer wireless internet access. On all of its 2009 models, they'll be available starting in September. Uh, they hope this UConnect web option will yeah. give it the competitive edge. No, not going to work. Uh, sales are down more than uh, 19% this year. It's not going to work because it just seems like, that seems like something that would have been really groundbreaking about five years ago before everybody had a BlackBerry. Well, the government says surfing the web while driving isn't something you should be doing. <laughs> not that we'll stop people from doing it regardless. Uh, personal counters by saying this is only for passengers. Uh-huh. Whatever you say. Well, that's like the. Uh, I was in uh, in Susan. Susan has a Lexus, and it's uh, it. She has that in dash GPS. Uh-huh. And I would never ever get a vehicle that had an in dash GPS because you can't use it while you're driving. Like if you have to change destinations or change the address or whatever, you have to come to a. Com- what is the point of this? You have to come to a complete stop before you can start entering something into the GPS. And, and you were just riding, and you can get it right. They were giving you directions to Hollywood, California. Exactly. Oh, that's right. You were with us. Yes. That's a, it's when we were going to get that photo taken for the Hollywood Theater, actually. Go down Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I forgot all about that. Eyes, take a right. I forgot about that. So we roll out of the CBS parking lot. We're in Susan's. It's like a, I don't know, it's not a minivan, but it's like a, 
Like a little Lexus SUV thing. Maybe I thought we were at C- CBS Television City in Beverly Hills. And so I'm going to punch in, and you can do it, just like in my GPS, I have a TomTom, you can do it by either address or by the name of the, you know, the place you're going to. And so I punch in Hollywood Theater, and it thought we were going to Hollywood Theater, the Los Angeles, in 742 miles, take a left. And I said, well, that doesn't seem right. And so Susan is driving, and I'm in the passenger seat trying to punch in the Hollywood Theater on uh, on the... Uh, what, Sandy? Sandy? Sandy here in Portland. So I'm trying to punch it in, and it won't let me do it because the vehicle is continuing because it's not stopped. And so even in the passenger seat, I couldn't do anything. We had to come to a complete... We had to pull over to the side of the road before it would unlock the GPS and let me type something in. And I guess the theory is they don't want the liability of a driver being able to punch something in and staring at the screen, whatever, which is stupid. Um you know that's uh, because I mean, because out of because portable GPSs like I have, you know, you can certainly do that. I have a GPS. I can just take it wherever I go, plug it into whatever car I happen to be in, and use it. So too bad they can't come up with some with passengers like uh, a pair of spectacles or something that shoot up a laser beam that only a passenger can wear to get this thing to work. Who would the laser beam be shot at? I the, the GPS system. Oh, you mean there's some? Well, what they what, what they could do though is they should just have. They should just do this. They should just put one one screen in the middle of the dashboard and one screen over on the passenger side. Uh, and that screen would be all-purpose. It could show, like, the radio display. It could show the temperature. It could show, uh, you know, whatever, your gas. Uh, and then it, it could also serve as a GPS. And while the car is moving, only the passenger screen would work. And then, you know, when the car is, you know, stopped, you can do whatever. But when the car is in motion, only the passenger screen is actually touch sensitive, which means that only the passenger. Of course, then what you're going to do is you're going to have drivers, like, leaning over and with their right hand, like, trying to jab things into the passenger window. And it's just stupid. And so this latest thing, what is this, Chrysler doing this? Yes. Not going to work. Uh, because this is like those car manufacturers that are trying to pitch a car now under the theory that it'll work with your. No, no, no. You can plug your iPod directly into it. Spend 20 grand on this car. I mean, I mean, I have, I spent about, I don't know, 70 bucks at like car toys or whatever, and they just put a thing into my dashboard, lets me plug the MP3 player in there. Didn't need to buy a whole new car for it. Uh, so the theory that you're going to buy a brand new car because the car itself has internet access is just dumb. Because everybody on earth has an iPhone or a Blackberry or a Trio or, an, you know, a sidekick or like Sarah's LG thing. So that's just, uh, that is attempting to put out the fire by spitting on it. That's what that is. From New Canaan Beach comes the word, a giant tree fell down and barely missed campers uh, sleeping in the tent. This was an old growth tree. It came down and clobbered a picnic table that was nearby, missing the campers by mere inches. It was around midnight. They heard a giant explosion like fireworks or an earthquake all at once. They heard people screaming. They got out of the tent to find what had happened. There was a giant tree and everybody was standing around it at the campground. They were counting people to make sure that everyone was safe. And apparently they were this time. It doesn't happen all the time. A fire broke out early this morning at a salvage yard in the 9500 block of North Columbia Boulevard. The crews arrived to find several cars on fire. You could see a plume of smoke from many, many miles. I'm not sure how that started. A 17-year-old Gresham teen is recovering after his friend accidentally shot him in the face with a shotgun. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, this uh, group of six friends are out target shooting in a back road somewhere. A 19-year-old with the group accidentally discharged the 20-gauge shotgun he was holding while the 17-year-old was recovering a target downrange. Ooh, that sounds dangerous. The 17-year-old uh, does not wish to be identified. <laughs> he was hit in the face next time. I think he'll be easy to spot, though. Uh, the teen apparently managed to uh, get the friend in the track, drove him into town, 
Uh, they came across an off-duty Portland firefighter who called 911. The 17-year-old team was a lifelighter. We don't know how he's doing. Also out of Gresham, apparently, somebody stole this guy's bike. The guy goes running after the guy stealing the bike. The cops let their uh, canine unit loose, and it beats, and it bites the good guy who's chasing the bad guy on the bike. And uh, you know those dogs. Have you ever been around a police dog? Yes. Uh, those things are they are terror inducing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really seem like they could they seem like they could just give you what for if they were in the wrong mood that day. So uh, this is uh, Derringer, the crime fighting dog. Uh, let's see here. Uh, he he took the guy. Uh, oh, he bit the guy and caused 17 stitches. Multiple bite marks, scraped skin, and four puncture wounds. The suspect was eventually apprehended, but was never bitten. Uh, Damascus man, who says voices told him to kill, is expected to make a plea today to get out of the Oregon State Hospital, and his doctors support him. Under the unconditional release, John Bochka would move to a community setting. Prosecutors and the victim's family are opposed to this, of course. The Psychiatric Safety Review Board will hear both sides. In April of 2003, this fellow shot and killed 20-year-old Sarah Hung, who was working in a farm near his home. He also tried to shoot another worker. At his trial, he pled guilty for insanity and was committed to the state nuthouse. He was placed under supervision of the state psychiatric review board for the rest of his life. Well, now, even though uh, he heard voices, he wants to live in a regular home and be like everyone else. A Salem woman convicted of killing two Eugene Symphony musicians in a car crash will get 16 years and 8 months in the slammer. Vivia Shaparov uh, was uh, pleading guilty this month to charges of manslaughter, assault, and drunk driving, going the wrong direction in I-5, which is a vehicle that was carrying three women returning from rehearsal. Her blood alcohol content tripled the legal limit at the hour of the crash. Uh, she expressed no remorse at yesterday's sentencing. So maybe she should have been given some more. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yes. I don't understand. We have these stories on a pretty alarming basis about, uh, uh, no, alarming frequency? Frequency. Why can't I talk to them? Did I mention that we're entirely out of Viso, by the way? There's no Viso. No, but there's no Viso at the Plaid Pantry. There's no Viso upstairs. There's no Viso in the, in the, in the vending machine. There's none. Zero. We're completely out of Viso. It's kind of freaking me out a little bit. I'm actually starting. I'm having cold sweats. Oh no! So if I don't sound like my, if I really, this is the best endorsement we could possibly give them. If it sounds like I'm not entirely with it and together today, it's because there's just none. We have no viso, and so without it, my brain is grinding to a halt. I feel it helps you become organized, doesn't it? I feel it does, Tim. It's it helps me world. run, helps me jump higher and run faster. It's the Rolodex of the brain. I really can't see how it's throwing you off. It is, and uh, so you, I feel... What other locations do you get your Vito at? Uh, well, apart from the vending machine and the plant pantry, you could also get it at New Seasons. I saw it at New Seasons just the other day when they were... Let me just say this about New Seasons, by the way. So do you guys go to New Seasons for their tastings on the weekend? Yes. No. Sarah, I'm surprised you don't go. It's free food. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, not that you're a glutton, but I'm saying you appreciate free food. When it's like, like, I appreciate a, free anything. There's the bad, the backs, the... Hold on a second. I'm going to hit my head against the counter a couple times and see if I can just... All right. I was going to say it's like the bat signal when there's free food in the kitchen. You know, and suddenly we all sort of know. But if I you go to free pizza today, if you go to New Seasons on uh, Sundays, they have a tasting, and each week is a different kind of tasting. Uh, what, like it'll be there'll be chocolate tastings, there'll be bread tastings, there'll be uh, ice cream tasting, there'll be salad dressing tasting, whatever it is. You never quite know what it is, but you go to New Seasons on Sunday mornings, and they'll be, you know, they'll basically have sort of a big spread with store employees there, letting you try all different kinds 
of a certain type of food. So Laura and I go there on Sunday. We did a whole thing of bicycling around the city. We go to New Seasons, not knowing what it was, hoping it was going to be something good. We go there. It was strawberries. I'm not a big strawberry fan. Laura is. But it was a whole uh, just spread of strawberries and things made from fresh strawberries. And then who's right in front of us? And you got you know if you've ever gone to a thing like this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know who's there? The loiterer. And the loiterer, because if you go to a thing where they were like free samples, right? Isn't it understood that you pick up the fr- one, maybe two free samples, and then you're on your way? See, I'm, I'm not at school in the free sample culture. If I think that people are just hoarding like around someplace for something free, then people pretty much do what they want. Yeah, but, but I think, but if there's a line of people behind you, I mean, don't you? I mean, you don't just stand there and graze well, like I a jackass. Do that. Well, that's what I'm saying. You wouldn't because you're a decent human being. So there's basically two lines to get up to this sort of countertop at New Seasons, which is staffed by employees. And the deal is you get up there, and the New Seasons person says, Hey, uh, so welcome to our sample day. We've got lots of strawberries. We have fresh strawberries here, also a strawberry jam. This is a strawberry sorbet. And then here uh, we have, uh, you know, a strawberry juice or, you know, whatever the hell it is. What would you like to try? And you say, oh, I'll take a small cup of the uh, strawberry sorbet. Oh, and then I just like one of those fresh strawberries. Thank you. And then they give it to you, and you, go, you say thanks, and you go about your day. There's two lines moving up to the counter. At the head of each line, there's like a mom and then her morbidly obese kid who stand there, like requesting sample after sample while the line just continues to stretch out behind them. I mean, you get your samples and then you move on. You don't stand there like some sort of a gluttonous wildebeest. I mean, it's just just irritating in every conceivable way. My point, though, is, is that I don't have any visa right now, and so I feel all mentally untethered because of that. But I do get it at New Seasons. You can also get it at Zoo Pants, Whole Foods, uh, the Flying Elephant Delicatessen, Plant Pantry, 7-Eleven, Visa.com. Visa, where everything goes. Here's Tim Riley. I guess we need more locations downtown where you can get it. We need more locations in this room where you can get it. That's what we need. Visa needs to be offered at three different locations in this studio. We can move on. Uh, today's pleasantries are brought to you by Lace Auto Collision Centers and Lace.com. Call today. Find out what Lace can do for you. May will bring you some visa. There's an escaped convict on the loose. He took off at the city of Portland trek today after escaping from an inmate work crew in North Portland. It happened as the crew was working on North Columbia Boulevard. He's 29-year-old Scotty Lee Jackson. He has a history of ID theft, drugs, property crimes, attempt to elude and resisting arrest, but generally nonviolent crimes. Most of these guys are convicted in Washington County. But he must be caught as soon as possible. Okay, here's how much your climate passes are going to go up. Climate officials approved in and out fare hikes coming this September. Cash fare for adults will increase 25 cents. And the monthly pass will increase by $10. Youth, student, honored citizen, and lit cash fares will increase 10 cents. And the monthly passes increase $2. This goes into effect September first. I resent the phrase "honored citizen." Is that code for seen? Is that code for old person? Old yes. Yeah. I mean, does that mean that if you're under the age of fifty-five, it's not possible like to be you honored? You made it this far, now you get right. discounted. Like, I know a lot of old people that are just bastards. I mean, a lot of old people are great. I know a lot of old people that are just dicks. Right. They don't really. I mean, no getting around that. No. You know, my gra- so it's, so it's two dollars basically now, right? Well, not basically. It is two dollars. I'm not sure. So when does that take effect? September first. All right. So when? So what's the the statute of, like, when they can change it and not. So since they've raised September 25 cents... Yeah, no, it's September 1st. No, I mean, but September 1st, I understand. So, like, so that's already increased, but when's the next time they could... Whenever they want, I would think. Yeah. Well, they don't... I mean, it's... I mean, it's the government, right? Is TriMet... Yeah. TriMet is just a flat... Is TriMet flat-out owned by the state of Oregon? 
I think it's county, isn't it? Or the county, but you know what I mean? It's, it's a governmental agency. Yeah. It's not like an outside agency that is retained it, it is not by a private entity. No. Yeah, so I mean, so does the state organization. So it's like asking when can the state raise your taxes? I mean, it's just sort of whenever. And, and But I would be curious, actually, to know. That's a good question, actually. So if TriMet is a state, I'm sorry, county-run organization, it's run by the, by the, by the, by the government, do they have, does there have to be some sort of a vote? Do lawmakers have to vote on that? Well, they vote on it. TriMet does? Yeah. But, I mean, who is TriMet? Like, are, are they government employees? I would imagine so. That actually, Sarah actually raises an interesting question about that. About what, Because, look, if they want to raise your sales tax uh, in a state, or if they want to raise your income tax, or if they want to raise, you know, the property taxes, these are all things that have to go through the legislature. I would be curious to know exactly how that works for TriMet, if TriMet is, in fact, the government. It says here, Tri-County Metropolitan Transportation District of Oregon. So maybe there's like so there's a, is there there are a three board? counties involved. And yeah, so, there would be a so do we have any voice in it, or is that, it just a bunch of people battling back and forth? That was actually going to be my next question. Then, so if it's okay, if, news and meetings, let's find out here. But I mean, then, so can we? Uh, so who are the people that they are have, then? They have public hearings and meetings. You want to know who the board of directors? Well, are? Well, yeah, I'm just saying, who are the people who eventually get in a room and go yes or no and vote up or down on whether or not they're going to raise trimet rates? Because my question then is, is it possible to? Because if you're a lawmaker, like if your Congress continues to raise taxes, you can theoretically they are vote them out. appointed by the governor. TriMet is governed by a seven-member board of directors appointed by the governor of Oregon. Board members represent and must live in certain geographical districts. The term of office is four years, but a board member serves at the pleasure of the governor. So they have the pleasure of the governor. The board uh, sets agency policy, enacts legislation, taxing and ordinances relating to policy ordinances, and reviews certain contracts. The board meets from 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. on the fourth Wednesday of every month, except for August and December. Meetings are open to the public and include a forum for citizen comments. But when a forum for citizen comments is basically, that's just, that, that means nothing. We can get up and, and speak your mind. Between 9 and 11.30 a.m. on the fourth Wednesday, the meetings are held at the City of Portland offices, 1120 Southwest 5th Avenue, Room C, Downtown or at the TriMet Administrative Offices at 4012 Southeast 17th Avenue in Southeast. I think it, The people on the board of TriMet should not be allowed to have cars. That's exactly what I was going to say. Good <laughs> you for you. Say, you and I are on the same page. Get out of here. my head! No, they should not, and they should have to pay. They shouldn't get special passes. They should have to pay the rates and everything. I'd be curious to know if they... I'd be... Okay, somebody who's not me, because I don't care that I much. I names here. Really? Mm-hmm. Somebody, uh, some local muckraker uh, guy, maybe some Willamette guy... Ought to like find the TriMet board of directors and just follow them around every day and see how much they drive. I mean, really, I'd like to know that. I'd like to know how much they have to live in un, under the, the the thing that they the manage. Yeah, yeah. How much they have to use this thing that they control. Um, but I guess my larger and my larger point was also if it sounds like there's really no way to vote them out. That's my thing. Like if you're if you if your representative no pleasuring the governor, if your senator is voting to raise taxes, you can vote your senator out. But this there's no way to do it. You would you 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 could only theoretically I guess do it by getting rid of the governor. But even that wouldn't really work because you could get rid of the governor and they would stay appointed. Well, here's the other weird thing. Since TriMet goes into the western suburbs, which are Washington County, why is it? That they don't have a board member from that area. I don't know the answer to that, Tim. How can, how can we be represented equally if we don't have a member from Washington County on this board? You know, with this, we is, don't. this is taxation without representation, Tim. Mm-hmm. If I were you, I'd go throw tea into something. Okay. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Is today's show good or terrible? I think it's, it's good. good. Yeah. It's good. This guy says, Rick... Uh, did you try the uh, liquor store right next to the plaid pantry to see if they had any visa? Because no, they weren't open when I came on the air. 
Says she's trying to help. Never mind, though. I like the shows where you're a little nutty better anyway. All right. Thank you. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Rick. Hello, you. Hey, Rick. Hey. Tim. Jim and the crew. Hey. Hello. Um, echoing on what Lisa was talking about, Kenny versus Spenny. Yes. There are a couple crazy guys. They do a little contest. One was who could eat the most meat. Um, who could go the who could go the longest without using their arms? Uh, who could who could okay. go the long who could go the longest without getting aroused? And they have different. Uh, I'm totally sold on it already. That thing about not using your arms is so absurd. I'm completely okay. hooked. I mean, it's beyond the juvenile. It's beyond hilarious. But that's what makes it funny. Okay. The funniest one that I saw and. Uh, you may like it, you may not. It's um, who could emit the loudest Bronx cheer? Which is the... Uh, yes, sir. That, yes, yeah. sir. Okay. And um, I, would, I would suggest going to YouTube and um, enjoy it. It's All right. hilarious. Thank you. Who wouldn't enjoy it? I know. Who can eat the most meat? There's something just so basic and primal about that. You know what I had? I had an idea for something I like the, the arms day. thing. He won me with the arms. Because it's just... Because it's ridiculous, right? Because mm. it's just sort of strangely... It's just a little sideways. I had this idea the other day, and I wrote it down, and then I never did anything with it. Uh, you know, they make that... What were those things, they, that candy they brought in here the other day? Zours? Is that what that I was? I think so, yeah. And they were... I didn't have them, but they were... Was it like a sour... It was like a really sour candy, like one of those sorts of extreme candies. Mm -hmm. So I had this idea of having some sort of a sour candy eating contest, because cause sour candy now is much... I would say it's much more sour than it was when I was certainly growing up. When I was a kid, you had cat, or you had, um, you had uh, um, sour patch kids. That was it. Sour patch kids and lemon heads. Though that was like that was the extent of the sour candy pantheon. But I think now, I mean, I saw some whole thing on the uh, the Food Network about this. I think now there's sour candy that really is like that is so sour it's nearly inedible. Uh, don't they have those? Is that uh, warheads? Is that what I'm thinking of? That really unbelievable, it's like a hard candy, but it's unbelievably sour. I think they sell this, I think I think at candy stores they have a whole... I've never been a big sour, like, candy kid. Because it's, cause they're not screwing around, like, sour candy now is, I mean, it's nearly lethal. So I was thinking that we ought to have some sort of a, some sort of a contest, like a sour, sour candy, candy eating contest. contest. Just because it seems like, it, and that would be a thing that we could film, because it seems like there might be some visual... That's a contest Richie uh, could win since he can't smell. That's true. I would be curious to know exactly how much that does diminish his sense of taste. Mm -hmm. Because presumably he can still taste things. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Yeah, I was, uh, I, I feel your visa withdrawal, but banging your head on the on a tabletop or a vending machine only works for a second or two. It's just an exercise. It's <laughs> just exercising your futility muscle, trust me. I like the idea but, that you calculated out exactly how long I can stave off visa withdrawal symptoms by hitting my head against a solid object. Right. Going back to crazy uh -huh. things that people should never do yeah. while driving. Uh -huh. I was uh, I was crossing the, the freeway off-ramp and stupidly trusted the minivan to stop at the stop sign and red light oh, you don't that was there. No, don't ever trust people. That's your first mistake. And realized almost too late that she was reading a book coming <laughs> off the freeway onto Broadway by the by the Rose Garden. Really? And she didn't didn't even look up. Just kept right on right on going. And it, it, had I not you know jumped about three feet out of her way, she would have just mowed me down. It does make you wonder exactly what she could. That's almost an endorsement for whoever the author is. Like, reading what? a book on the freeway. That's great. Into <laughs> lovely. 
You know what I like is you're just sort of you're sort of casually embittered disdain for the woman and for people in general. I really do admire that. That resonates with me. I I gotta hand it to the people that that stand there and fly a sign in that little island right there. My God, they you know live it live on the edge. Taking man. your life in your hands. All right, thank you, Aaron. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. All right, there you go. You know where this came from, though, is that we were talking about the, the, the woman who killed the two people because she was going the wrong way on I-5. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to make an observation about that, and I think I fumbled all of the words, which is why I started talking about this visa thing. Um, hey, Richie just brought me a visa. Oh, it's from Sarah Wagner. Really? Oh, thank you, Sarah Wagner. Nice. Sarah oh, Wagner, you're Sarah Wagner just brought us some visa. Even though she said my glasses were ugly. Excellent. Thank yeah. you, Sarah Wagner. Thank you, Sarah. Thank now, will you, you chill Sarah. out a little bit? Let's, take, let's play some popcorn, and you can drink your visa. I'm, I'm fine. I'm cool in the game. I can see a man unraveling in front of my eyes. <laughs> see a grown man unravel. Cheers. Cheers to you. Go. Does it unnerve you that Bezo does have this particular effect on us, or at least on me? I mean, it's it's a little... Well, I think it's it's, I, I think it's not be so free. I think you're just such a creature of habit that if anything in your routine changes, then it just makes you crazy. That is true. I think it's well, I mean, uh, so is delicious with all of its nutritional value. In it. It's got electrolytes. That hits the spot. That's the stuff. All right, there you go. I feel so much better now. You're right. I think it must just be because there's no way the caffeine could have taken effect by no, now. No, it's you're, you're total, It's just a whole mental thing. Oh, boy, I am a whole mental thing. Uh, <laughs> you are a mental thing. <laughs> Rick Emerson, the game is 90% mental, and so am I. Uh, it, it really does. This is why I don't take drugs. I mean, other than caffeine. You don't need them. Well, not only that, but you know, with the, with the, with you talk to junkies or people who are just who are big fans of drugs. Because I know people who I would say are not. I know people who either took or take drugs who I would say have it under control they are they're functional drug users but they are uh, but they're such a big fan of the ritual of it you know just uh, like George Carlin actually who just died um talked about how he loved cocaine obviously but he also because he was also very a very type A person creature of habit and he loved the cocaine ritual he loved the little vial and the little spoon and the chopping it up and the putting it in the lines and the whatever and he loved and you I think you talk to people who take any kind of drug and they love they love the special little box you keep it in they love the, the whatever the, the whatever it is you have to buy to smoke it or inject it and there's a whole you know the ritual of that is you know is I think very appealing to some people and I do have to tell you here's what a caffeine junkie I am I made this observation to a friend of mine a long time ago, and he was the one who actually stopped and looked at me, and he said, you realize that you are just a completely addictive person, right? I made this observation to my friend Todd some years ago, and he and I used to, uh, we worked at the same place, and we would actually carpool occasionally sometimes, and either he would pick me up or I would pick him up, and we'd drive to work. And at one point, we were driving to work, and I think I was in the passenger seat, and I made some observation about, oh, boy, I'm really... I really need some coffee. I'm really I'm I'm really withdrawing badly over here from coffee. I just feel terrible. And he said he said, "Well, maybe you ought to make some like before you leave the house." And I actually told him I said that in I said that I put it off sometimes because I liked to go through all the caffeine withdrawal suffering because then it made the first cup of coffee that much better, which I do realize sounds like a thing a crazy person would say or that a junkie <laughs> would say. 
that there were there were times when I would actually artificially extend my caffeine withdrawal. Like like I would have coffee in the house. It would be in the house on my counter next to the coffee pot. Could be making it right then. I could already have made it and consumed it, but I would actually force myself to wait 15 or 20 extra minutes because I really liked the withdrawal to kick in because then it made the first cup of coffee that much sweeter. That's creepy. Which I really, I mean, even saying it now, I realize that I'm just, uh, uh, that at just a drop of a hat, I could become a junkie like nobody's business. I mean, I do know this about myself. And however crazy I might be and whatever poor choices I might make in my life, the, the, the one real bright thing I did uh, was to just to decide not uh, to start, like, snorting cocaine or something, because that would be a thing I'd never stop. I mean, you'd give me the first line of cocaine, and you would you would immediately fast-forward and see me just, like, penniless in a ditch somewhere. I can absolutely tell that about myself. Oh, it's so good. You're almost finished that whole thing. I'm halfway done. Here's my question about the woman who was driving back on an I-5, though, and, near, and, and killed the guys. We hear those stories at a pretty alarming rate. A lot. How do you go the wrong way on the highway? I mean, the sign says wrong way. But I mean, it's not just one wrong turn, right? I mean, the way the way that highways are set up, it's not just like, you know, you get in the left lane instead of the right lane, and somehow you're going the wrong way on I-5. I mean, you have to be you have to have been going the wrong way on the street before that. Like, for you to even get to the point where the on-ramp is, you already have to be going in the wrong... You basically have to be driving like a like a Briton, right? Yeah. I mean, you basically have to be driving the wrong way in the wrong side of the wrong lane to even get to where the on-ramp would be. So, in a strange way, it's almost... I mean, it's it's kind of impressive that you would end up going the wrong way on the highway because that requires seven or eight, you know, different points at which you chose exactly the wrong thing to do. Oh, I just don't even know how that works. All right, here's Tim Riley. Yet it happens at alarming frequency. Yes, it does, because people are dumb, Tim. Well, listen to this. The city of Portland will pay $25,000 on a proposed settlement of a lawsuit brought by a woman who said a police officer uh, reached down her uh, knickers and ordered her to lift her shirt and bra at a homeless camp. Knickers? I barely knew her. Linda Wilkerson said former officer Matthew Kunke claimed he wanted to search for drugs and weapons. He was after the police bureau last fall after he pled no contest to official misconduct. The charge is from a separate allegation that he made inappropriate sexual comments to a woman when he was called to make a report of her missing a cell phone. So apparently, if this did happen, he's after homeless women in a Jesus. homeless camp. I want to be groping down the pants of a homeless woman. Mmm, sexy. Imagine how much you'd have to scrub your hand after that. Yeah. Uh, hey, how about this? Rick, sour candy can actually cause you physical harm. I got a half-pound bag of atomic warhead candy and proceeded to eat the entire thing over the course of a day. My tongue split open. <laughs> and my sense of taste didn't return for four days. Maybe we won't do that contest. All right. Sir, so you have suffered so that, so that we might be spared. All right. Here's Tim Riley. No, no, no. Here's break. Are we breaking? Yes. What time is it? Jesus. Okay. Oh, it's time for a break. We're going to take a break. All right, let's take a break. We're going to take a break. <laughs> we got a show. Look at Ben or Michael. <laughs> All right. And whatnot. It's the Rick Emerson program back after this. Stay right there.
the best email here about a candy mishap. This one says, Rick, I've learned the hard way that you should never eat more than the suggested serving of any kind of sugar-free candy. Unlike other foods, the serving portions are there for a reason. The sugar alcohols in sugar-free candy cause massive cramping and explosive diarrhea. I was driving to Southern Oregon and mindlessly ate an entire bag of sugar-free gummy bears. Truly the start of a beginning, uh, the, 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 the wonderful beginning and the start of a great story. I was forced to pull off the road and spent several hours, spent several hours at a rest stop, clutching my stomach and intermittently befouling the bathroom. <laughs> that was the only time in my life that I was the lowest person on the social strata while at a rest stop. And it was very humbling. The funniest thing about this is that those most likely to overindulge in this harmless candy are people on the Atkins diet and kids whose parents are moronic and unaware of the impending Armageddon they will be forced to deal with. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth on KCMD Portland. A couple of classic game shows created by Chuck Barris may be coming back to television soon. Gone show. Nope. Uh, what, are people just like bringing his visa by the case now? Oh, the vending guy came by. Excellent. Well, you should hear how long you bitched about it. It sounded like you were asking for free music. I, mean, I, I know re- you weren't. I really wasn't. I know you weren't. Oh, all right. Well, oh, not, Eric's awesome. Thank, thank you, you, Eric. Not a moment too soon. Thank you for making Rick more. Hey, would you would you have him come in for a second okay. when he gets a chance? Thank you. Uh, I love Eric. Okay, not the Gong Show. Two shows you wouldn't think of. Joker's but, Wild. No. I don't even know what other shows Chuck Barris made. I didn't even know he did these either, but I give apparently up. it's the dating game and the newlywed game. I didn't know that Chuck Barris did those. He told, yeah, I remember from the movie. Pro mm-hmm. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, yeah. which I never saw, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was the, those were his genius ideas. Oh, you would love that movie. Yeah, I keep meaning to watch it's it, really cool. I never have. Kim Coles will host a dating game, while stand-up comedian Judy Gold will emcee the newlywed game. Judy Gold is, isn't she a DJ in New York? Or is Leslie Gold. Yeah. So who are these? People? Yeah, no, I got nothing. I have, I have no Whatever idea. happened to Bob Eubanks? Aren't you um? Aren't you surprised though? I I can tell you. Are you asking what happened to Bob Eubanks? No, he used to host a Hollywood Christmas parade every year, but I don't think he's doing anything on a daily basis. Oh, I guess I, he doesn't have to. I know what he's doing. Oh, do you want to know? Yes. Okay. So if you go to Las Vegas, Bob Eubanks, uh, Chuck Woolery, and Jamie Farr of all people are doing this weird live audience participation interactive game show thing. It's the weirdest. It makes no sense. It's so hard to explain. It's it's like it's like they had a barrel full of ideas for Las Vegas shows, and they sort of used all the good ones. And then at the bottom, there was just a bunch of leavings. There was just a bunch of idea scrapings, like like some sort of a uh, like some sort of a creative scrapple. And they just dumped all the remaining ideas they had for a Vegas show onto a plate and stirred it up. And then that's what they do. So it's it is the Price is Right. The dating game, or I'm sorry, the newlywed game, and like Wheel of Fortune or something, done with audience participation, hosted by Chuck Woolery, Bob Eubanks, and Jamie Farr all at once. Like it makes no sense at all. Why you ask? Why? I, and, and, and and then apparently there's something where like they give away five hundred dollars to people in the audience. It's all very bizarre. We saw um, big ads for it all the way through Vegas, and then we tried to go, but we missed it that day. So. Uh, it's it's it was it's just like a whole weird hodgepodge of ideas sort of crammed together. But Bob Eubanks is one of the hosts, and it, and it does sort of make you wonder, like of all the people they could get, why would they have like where where would you come up with Bob Eubanks, Chuck Woolery, and Jamie Farr? 
I mean, he's just the guy that doesn't belong there. Yeah. Unless, I mean, unless they decided that having three game show hosts was just too much, and they had to sort of have a buffer or something in there. By the way, let me just tell you how weird Bob Eubanks looks in person. I mean, that guy's got a full-on George Kennedy tan at this point. Uh, it, it, he looks like an Oompa Loompa. Uh, he's just like this weird waxen orange color. All right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Eric, the vending machine guy. Hello, sir. Hey. Hey. He looks so funny with the headphones and the bald head. <laughs> he looks so big against your head. So let me now. Were you on your way to stock the vending machine uh, already today? I was stuck in the traffic jam on 84 coming in, thinking, "Great, I'm getting called out on the radio." No, I'm just. Well, I'm just. It's just. It's a kind of a compliment in a way that we are so dependent upon your wide variety of snacks and beverages. I didn't even recognize them without pushing snacks around. <laughs> Without holding a bag of corn nuts, we don't even know who you are. Uh, and so, I suppose uh, that's a good thing. And you, you, you probably bond you him for, for free stuff all the time. We know that we don't ever do that. Uh, we don't ever ask for anything for free. <laughs> uh, this is not that program. Uh, but the, the, the vending machine was entirely out of Viso. I mean, every single every single bottle of Visa was gone. It was busted. And so just uh, everything, just life just ground to a halt here, at least on my end of the counter. So... What would you say is the most popular and least popular uh, thing that you stock in the actual food vending machine? In your machine or like in, like in this one here? What would you say? Well, overall, what would you say is the food item, not a beverage, the food item that is the most purchased? <laughs> Donuts. Really? Like the little donuts? And I, I blame Dave Zinn for that, mainly. He was actually complaining the other Zinn was on that whole, uh, there's no donuts left in the machine. Whatever, I really didn't have two rows. Whatever became of the wafers, those are my favorite. The, oh, the Ruger sugar yeah. wafers? It says the reward on the package. It I is the reward. In a couple of weeks. Yeah, those are really, really good. Now, is it up to, is it, are you kind of at the mercy of sort of wholesalers or distributors as to what you have available to you? A lot of times, yeah, they'll be like, oh, yeah, the truck didn't get here today or whatever, and you just can't, okay, great, I got no Rugers this week or whatever. Because it does seem like sometimes there are rows of things in there that are purchased by no one. I mean, would you say that, are there types of foods that you put in that vending machine that no one ever buys, but they're basically just there because you can't have an empty row? <laughs> not not in this machine. You guys, or, or there'll be somebody that used to, like, plow through, you know, plain M&Ms, and yeah. then they're no longer with the company or something. <laughs> so you'd be like, oh, my plain M&Ms guy is gone. I better change that out. The guy who liked the salsa picante Doritos has been fired. Yeah. Uh, hey, what is up with Doritos having, like, does it, is it just me, or within the space of about three months, do they put out about 12 new flavors? They, they're constantly throwing stuff out there, and they do things down different channels. They'll send, like, a one flavor down, like, with their vending service right. channel, but they'll, they won't send them to, like, convenience stores or vice versa. Or they'll send, like, when they came out with baked Doritos, they sent them just to Subways for a while. And they do just random things like that. So it seems like you're seeing something everywhere All right. Um, when they're just sort of trying it different ways. And it's like, well, can I get baked Doritos? No, we're just sending those to Subways right now. Oh, that's, right. A, that's a good idea. Hey, well, well, so while he's in the room, do we have any requests about the vending machine, you know, for the future? <laughs> I'm really happy with the Easy Mac and Goldfish Cracker. Yeah, the, the Easy Mac is really good. I do any have to kind of, thank you for putting that in. Yeah, it. any kind of, like, granola bar, anything. Right. Sure. You know what Anything? I'm a big fan of? I'm a big fan of that sweet and salty mix that's like the weird, uh, like, honey right. roasted peanuts, and then, like, there's some other crap in there. I don't know what the hell that is. It's because it's got the big, giant toffee peanut. Is that, is that what that thing is? Yeah. Seriously. The, he's, so he stocks this thing in the vending machine. It's like a bag of... It's sort of like a bag of honey roasted peanuts, but again, there's like regular peanuts and there's like honey roasted what? Honey roasted peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, honey I, roasted I do peanuts. not stock that. But at all. then there's a thing in there. I swear to God, it's like the size of a golf ball. Yeah. Uh, and it's like crunchy and fantastic. It's a toffee peanut. Is that what that is? It's well, yeah. It's 
It's like a toffee peanut, and then they roll it in like the spicy. It's the spicy. Oh, it's fantastic! It's yeah. There's like three in the bag, and you're just like, oh yeah, I got the golden handful right here. Yeah, no, you know what it is? It, that is sort of like in that Gardetto snack mix, the rye chip, the rye chip, which is everybody's favorite element of the Gardetto snack mix. Uh, all right, Tim, and then you uh, are putting in a request for the sugar wafers. Yes, the reward. You deserve a reward. Thank you. Those things are really good. They're and th- so good. They're good, and here's the great thing about those sugar wafers, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. It's like the little wafery bar with just the plain, pure sugar icing in the middle. They're great because there's no mucking around. There's no, like, they're not trying to disguise it as being better than it is, more whole. They're not trying to peddle some sort of, like, Snickers bar fiction of, like, it's satisfied because it's got peanuts. It's good for... There's no... There's no pretense or illusion about that sugar wafer bar. It's just sugar, and it's just bad for you, but it tastes fantastic. It's like when they used to call sugar smacks sugar smacks. Sugar? What do they call them now? Uh, they're like honey smacks or something. Honey yeah, smacks. Like, really? Or, yeah, or honey cr- or crisps or something. With the, the, with the, with oh, the yeah. sugar smack frog? Yeah, when yeah. we were little, they were sugar smacks. Yeah, absolutely. Like chocolate frosted sugar bomb. Exactly. Look at you with the Calvin and Hobbes reference. All right. He hey, knows his snacks. You're one of us, I do. my friend. You're one of our people. Hey, welcome to Candy Talk. All right, there you go. That's uh, <laughs> all right. We need to show. have a show. A weekend show. A weekend show just called uh, Snack Talk. You know, we should totally have, we should, you know what it is? We should just have, just be completely exploitative and manipulative about this and just have a show that just targets like compulsive overeaters. Just an entire, just an entire show for compulsive gorgers. Have you read that book, Candy and Me, A Love Story? No. It's a great book, actually. It's sort of like the Fargo Rock City of candy, where it is a it is a woman who just describes she's like a candy enthusiast, and she just you wouldn't think it would be as fan, as interesting as it is, but it's like a 200 page book where she just talks about candy culture in America and the candy industry, and then she talks about specific kinds of candies, and she will get I mean she'll give you like she'll give you like four pages talking about the history of like candy corn, and you wouldn't think it would be interesting at all. But it really is. It's fascinating. And she's a hilarious writer, too. I think she writes for NPR. She's like an Amy Sedaris type. Have you noticed how there aren't any, like, casual candy eaters? Like, people either don't really eat candy, they'll eat it, like, once a month or have candy all the time. Yeah. I mean, my friend Kiki uh, just eats candy constantly. Yeah. It's, like, all, constant, like, she's always eating nerds or sweet tarts or whatever, just carrying them around with her. See, and, like, and where she work? <laughs> we just delivers to her house. Uh, no, we could we could really eat. You know, can I just tell you? I was talking about this the other day. You know what I had for the first time ever? I had a Zagnut bar. Boy, a Zag. You actually physically recoiled there. What's that about? Nasty. No, they're fantastic. Candy snob, Rick. What is it? What's your problem with the Zagnut bar? Uh, well, you taste talk- like the inside of a Butterfinger, sort of. Yeah, talk about putting something in a row that doesn't go anywhere. Really? Yeah. I'm telling you, if you put a Zagnut thing in here, I'll be eating that. I mean, maybe not a whole row's worth, though. I might be the only Zagnut enthusiast in the building. How about Sky Bars? They've never been on the West Coast. What's the story on that? <laughs> the story behind the story. The Sky Bars. <laughs> you know what else they have? Here's another candy, uh, kind of an obscure candy. <laughs> they they stock this one. at Powell's. Well, because, I mean, do you know? Do you even know what a Sky Bar is? I don't think so. See, I think it's an East Coast thing. <gasps> mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I try to just like a tasty it. cake. <laughs> exactly. Um, they have this thing at Powell's, and it's called a Coffee Crisp. Have you ever seen that? Powell's has got a whole bunch of weird, I don't know if they're retro candies, but they are, they're sort of, I, I, I do get the feeling they are niche East Coast candies. Powell's sells this candy bar that is called a Coffee Crisp, and it's sort of like a very, it's sort of like a more dry, less chewy, whatchamacallit. Uh, the whatchamacallit, which was, that was the great candy breakthrough of my childhood, by the way. See, now we're doing it. Now we're just doing this whole, now we're, where we are being the Since whole book about candy. I don't remember the whatchamacallit commercials. I don't even, I don't even remember those. Where were they? No, it's just like it was like a, a rap commercial. Really? Yeah. Can you do? Do you remember no. any of the whatchamacallit rap? No. 
Okay. Uh, you know, my wife is a big fan of the symphony bars. Uh, she says the sim- she but she points to the symphony bar as sort of the beginning of a new golden era of American candy. All right. Yes. Well, all right then. I think we've wrung every bit of comedy out of this that we possibly can. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. And we, it is, we are really, really glad to do it. And don't stop stocking those famous Amos cookies. I'm a big fan no, no. of those. I know those are those are an A list. And famous. And you know what? There is an Amos. I saw a whole little. Uh, I saw a whole thing about it on the on the Food Network. Uh, they 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 were talking about how there was a guy who was Amos who made cookies. Uh, and then he was, of course, acquired by, you know, Dow Chemical or whatever. Right. whatever. It, what always inevitably happens, but actually. <laughs> then he bought the island he grew up on. And... Completely. Yeah. All right. There you go. Eric, the evening machine guy. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Eric. All right. Wonderful. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you? I'm fantastic and fat. Uh... That was an interesting edition of Snack Talk. All right. Let's see here. Um... Well, we've got some calls we'll get to here in just a... What is... Dog's going crazy over there. All right. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, George Michael showed off more than just his voice during the opening show of his new 25 live tour. You could tell he wasn't wearing underwear. Reports a concert goer at San Diego Sports Arena. It was flopping all over the place. Manhood aside, the source raved at the concert. Which part? The penis, apparently. Oh. Was flopping all over the place. Manhood aside, the source... Ray, that the concert was like nothing ever seen before. Everything from his voice <laughs> to the lighting to the stage <laughs> to, the, to penis. the penis was like nothing I ever experienced before. The two-and-a-half-hour show included 20 songs, three costume changes, six backup singers, and a production that required $2 million to put together. But, I mean, what was he wearing that... I mean, it must have been something tight, apparently. But, I mean, that was... Uh, or not tight, not if it was, you know, mm-hmm. not, if it, not if it was sort of... Well, I'm going to the concert on the second, and I'll report back to you. I'm just saying, doesn't it seem like in addition to not wearing any underwear, it almost sounds like he had to have been wearing, like, gym shorts or something. Maybe so. Because otherwise, I mean, you could just, uh, you know, if you weren't wearing underwear and you had just, like, jeans on, I don't think that would nobody would be able to see that, right? Mm-hmm. So this sounds like he was... Maybe he was wearing some type of extension. It's entirely possible. All right. Uh, let's see. The crowd also went crazy from uh, Michael's vintage music videos, especially the 1992 Too Funky, which featured a slew of supermodels. Another video created just for the show and played during Michael's cover of Feeling Good featured Dita Van Teis. Really? Stripped down to nothing but her pastries and her undies. <laughs> her pastries. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Her pasties. <laughs> I'd like to see Dita Van Teese wearing some pastries. Mmm, sexy. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, I got the Whatchamacallit uh, theme song for you, Rick. Um, it goes stretch it out, whatchamacallit. But anyways... Is that um, what you're remembering, Sarah? Yeah, it's like the whatever it was, is whatever it was, chocolatey chocolate. What you call um, But uh, going back to addiction, I'm so addicted to you guys. I'm in my work bed, and there's this huge, ugly brown spider to the inside this panel to my left shoulder. And instead of eating inside, I'm in my van right now eating my lunch with this ugly brown spider. And I'm freaking out. But... Wait, let me understand this. So, uh, so you could be eating indoors where it is spider-free. But you're such an enthusiast of the program that you are willing to tolerate the presence of a huge brown spider in the truck with you so that you may continue to listen to the show. Exactly. Excellent. You're that, awesome. That really is the highest compliment we've received all week, my friend. Hey, no problem, Rick, and goodbye. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Oh, he remembered that yes, nobody says goodbye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. You are- about ten minutes ago, you referred to someone having a tan like George Kennedy. And when you said that, I just set my drink all over my steering wheel. 
Because you meant George Hamilton. Right? I always do that. You know, I uh, a, and, and, and I thought it was the same person too. The 50-50 chance of getting it right, and yet inexplicably, every single time I get it wrong, I always but say I, George Kennedy when I mean. Probably George happens to both of them all the time. Anyway, I would imagine I'd almost like to interview George. Kennedy at this point to ask him if people always confuse him with George Kennedy or in fact the other way around because okay so George Kennedy is the guy from Cool Hand Luke and uh, Naked Gun movies and, uh, and Naked Gun and Airplane uh, or Airport uh, and okay, then George forever. thank you and then George Hamilton is, is the, the guy with guy. the tan guy all right okay who flirted with all the sex kittens in those beach movies yes, yes. all right here's Tim Riley so let's talk about the uh, the Florida kid whose uh, arm was ripped off by the gator. Where, Tim? Da 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 da. Damn it! He's uh, very cheerful about it today. He's uh, 18-year-old Casey Edwards, and losing his arm came to the spot on the Today Show today. He's in very good spirits considering everything. Honestly, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm pretty optimistic about everything. You know, I got a, a real good doctor and a good support group of friends and family around me, and uh, you know, it's pretty hard not to stay positive um, when you got everything working for you like that. Well, anyway, he'll, uh, he grew up in an area uh, near the attack, so he should have known better in the first place. But he's never had a run-in with the gator before. They've just become so much more aggressive in the last few years um, because of the population. It's just, they're just in such a competitive environment. The alligators just become so much more aggressive. Everybody wants an arm these days. Uh, so uh, he'll get better eventually. Any hope of seeing the Titanic exhibit in Pennsylvania today well went down the drain. After broken water main flooded the Carnegie Science Center, yes, the the Titanic exhibit has been postponed due to flooding. We had uh, flooding along the sidewalk and into the main lobby and store areas of the SportsWorks building. Uh, luckily, we didn't have any water get back into the exhibit areas. SportsWorks and Titanic are, are perfectly fine. It'll open tomorrow. Well, new research uh, shows another sign of the weakening economy. Teenagers aren't spending as much. Rob Callender of the Teenage Resource Center says it's a trickle-down effect from mom and dad. Given the teens get the bulk of their money from parents, whether it be from odd jobs, from allowances, when parents start to feel a pinch, that translates fairly directly to the teen market. This guy has a really pleasant voice. He does. The, the, that guy's voice sounds really... It sounds almost as though he's... It sounds right. It does. It. Can you play that one more time? This is. You know what it is? This is the voice of the guy who gives you some sort of uh, directions on a phone tree when you call up. Yeah. And he says, due to an unusually high volume of calls, your delay may be between five and six minutes long. Until then, please enjoy Ruby Tuesday, played on the oboe. Given the teens get the bulk of their money from parents, whether it be from odd jobs, from allowances, when Indeed. parents start to feel a pinch, that translates fairly directly to the teen market. Do you ever meet a guy who has a voice that, that, that really, and it, it's sort of, you realize it's a missed opportunity for him because it's a voice that would work really well on the radio? Mm -hmm. Like, you meet a guy in person, and he goes, you know, hi, this is, uh, this is John, what do you do? Well, I wash golf balls for a living. Hi, John. Hello, how are you? And, it's, and he has, like, a fantastic radio voice, and you almost sort of, you, you wonder if maybe there was a fork in the road where he missed his opportunity. Oh, by the way, did you see that back timing? Did you say you went to that, uh, that radio back timing yeah, page? fun. Which is fantastic. Is it just... Uh, is it just post-hitting? What else is on that site? I didn't even get a chance to go there. There are commercials. You hit the jingle. You bang into the songs. Or you can talk up the songs. You can play liners over them. So is it 
it, so it lets you simulate the experience of being on the a as, live as DJ, right? But not anymore, as because it was, there are like cartridge machines and things like that. As it was before automation. Mm-hmm. I gotta, uh, I gotta go. I gotta. I never really got a chance to look at it. Uh, I sent you the link, and all I saw was this thing where you could where you could talk up the ramp to uh, uh-huh. "I Want You Back" by the Jackson Five. Well, you can do quite a few things. All right, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to find it. All right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Yeah, so it is uh, quite a bit of fun. Let's see here. I have some other things to t- tell you about. Uh, let me tell you about the goose that's making its home at the Hereford Wastewater Treatment Plant. Uh, it isn't getting uh, the birds of a flock together, according to the story. It's hanging out with a herd of goats. Yes, the goose, abandoned two years ago, doesn't seem to want to leave the herd. Just as soon as he came here, he started running around with goats. Workers have tried to put the goose out in the ponds with the other waterfowl, but it doesn't want to leave the goats. What to do? Well, leave it there, apparently. Did you find that website yet? No, I'm still, my, my internet is suddenly just... It's always when you really uh, need something, and that's when everything just slows to a crawl. Because somebody also sent me the 1985 Whatchamacallit commercial, and I can't get that to load either. Oh, I have that. Do you? Mm-hmm. This is the... Uh... It's only 15 seconds long. All right. All right. But I have some. I have a page open that's playing music. Yeah, but my... Uh... I think this thing is awful slow today. I think that's what the problem is. I think, yeah, think all of our internets something. seem really slow. All right, here we go. Are you going to play something? And that's from 1985? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that at all. Do you remember that? I don't. Not at all, actually. Uh, I do remember the thing. I do remember the commercial where, uh, where Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble are rapping about Fruity Pebbles, though. Uh, I have a copy of that somewhere. All right, here's Tim Riley. A group activist wants to rename one of San Francisco's wastewater treatment plants the George W. Bush Sewerage Plant. Really? (laughs) That's great. The Presidential Memorial Commission tell the San Francisco Chronicle that they've already collected 8,500 signatures on a petition to put the proposal before voters in November. That is wonderful. If it passes, the Oceanside Water Pollution Control Plant would be renamed when the new president takes office in January. It's a simple yes to no question, and there's no real financial impact, just the cost of re-lettering the sign in front of the plants, says organizer Brian McConnell. Uh, this is the way the democratic process is supposed to work, even though it's a silly idea in some people's minds. As the New York Times notes in its story about the initiative, this is an honor that Bush is unlikely to embrace. And I'm still waiting for this thing to load. Okay, so I'm loading this. This is the control room page? Yeah, it's taking forever. Yeah, no, I've got the three cart machines loaded, but that's it. Yeah, I wonder why... Are, I mean, really. I mean, it's a multi-million dollar company. We should... Never mind. Let's uh, return here. Not that we're unhappy to work here. No. But no way are we unhappy to work here. No, we love it. We, uh, we accept this employment and we gladly cash their checks twice a month. Absolutely. All right. But I wish we had something better than dialogue. Uh, medical investigators have confirmed that a mountain lion is responsible for tearing a man apart. Relatives of Robert Nagowski, uh, he said he liked to bathe and shave on a rocky ledge. 60 yards from his home. Well, unfortunately, the lion uh, found him just below that ledge, dragged his body a short distance, and then ate it. <laughs> Jesus! Oh, my God! <laughs> I, uh, there's so much about the story that makes no sense. So Where did he live? Outside on the rocky ledge in Pinos Altos, New Mexico. All right. Uh, apparently, it's rare that a mountain lion will kill a human. It last reported killing a... Uh, uh, the last uh, human killed by a lion was in New Mexico in 1974. Uh, New Mexico has between 2,000 and 3,000 mountain lions, including the population of Silver City and Pinos Altos areas. 
attacks on wildlife have become more frequent as our growing population expands to the urban wasteland interface. New Mexico has a healthy population of mountain lions, and people who live around them must learn to take them seriously. Are you just reading off a press release? No. That sounds like that sounds like the uh, that sounds like something that the well, city council puts the, out to. Uh, this is from the State Department of Fish and Game from Pinos Altos, New Mexico. Uh, by the way, I just handed you a couple watches that I found this morning. Here's what's coming up. We'll also talk to Jim Roop here in just a few moments. Uh, later on, we will have you, the listening audience, fill in for the vacationing Mr. Skin, uh, and then we'll uh, plow through the 14 most overplayed instrumentals of all time, plus uh, Goth or Not and more discussion with Richie Bristol. Here's so Riley. much to do. It is. Time for a job watch. Here's your job watch. Uh, for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Minimum wage! That's just because I missed hearing the theme. I love They Might Be Giants. Yeah, I actually, Laura was playing this song the other day, actually. She had this record playing, and I heard that song, and I went, we haven't done a job watch in like a year and a half. Oh, more than that. Which really, I mean, it was kind of strange when you think about it, seeing as how the economy's just gone into the crapper. (laughs) Seeing how everybody's being fired, it seems like we ought to have done this by now, but here you go. Two workers who voluntarily quit their jobs can continue to pursue unemployment benefits. Wow. That's according to the new Washington State Supreme Court ruling. In the case, Spain versus Employment Security Department involving two women who quit their jobs saying they found their employers, quote, unbearable, unquote. One woman said she suffered daily verbal abuse and other quit because she disagreed with the management on how to treat clients. Both filed for unemployment benefits and were denied. The Employment Security Department defended the disqualification of benefits setting state legislation that says that unemployment benefits are denied to workers who, quote, left work voluntarily without good cause. See, and that's a, and that, that was... That used to be the thing, is that if you, if you were quit, fired, you collect. yeah, if you were fired, you could get unemployment, but if you quit, uh, you were not able to get unemployment, which means that it even, that's why a lot of employers would never, ever fire you. They would just make it unbearable to work there until you would finally just call it a day and quit. Put you on an overnight shift. It's, or something. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, you know, you'll, well, you'll see that at radio stations, especially where uh, you will have, uh, you know, somebody who's doing morning drive or afternoon drive is making a lot of money, and the radio station doesn't want to have to pay out like the severance, so they don't want to have to pay out the unemployment, they don't have to, you know, whatever, and so they will then, you, you, like, you'll be in morning drive, then you'll be in afternoon drive, then you'll be in middays, then you'll be at nights, then you'll be on overnights, and then you'll be on overnights just board opping someone else's voice tracks. Uh, and and the, the whole time they're just hoping that you'll quit. Welcome to Milkman's Matinee. It is now 3.22. <laughs> For the fourth time, here's a Garth Brooks song. <laughs> exactly. It's just sitting there weeping into your coffee cup, wondering when this trail of tears will be over. Uh, and and, they, and the, the jobs just become worse and worse and worse as the company is sort of hoping that you will quit. Hey, I think this page might be loaded for me I at least. I tried mine. Might be. Uh, so let's see, we've got here, this is, uh, so I, I forget who sent this to us, uh, some listener. Fun. And it was, I'll have to put this link up on my side later on, but it's uh, it's a radio station, 98 WRC. Where is that at? Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. And it simulates what it was like to be a DJ back when everything was sort of done by hand. And so it's got a bunch of turntables, it's got a rack of jingles, a rack of liners and promos, and a rack of, of so-called jock patter. And then over each of the songs, it's got the little uh, uh, the, the little timesheet that tells you when the posts happen. Um, all right, Tim. Let me just I'm going to give this to you right now. Let's see if you can hit the post on this. The first post is at eight seconds. All right. The second post is at fifteen seconds. All you right. Got, you got to jingle me in first. Pick one of those. Jingles. Okay. So the, what? I'm, the S ones are slow. Okay. 
So um, I will jing I'll jingle you in, which sounds as though, well, all right. You're really not supposed to talk after jingle, kids, but we're going to do this. <laughs> Don't try this at home. These radio formatics are for uh, amusement purposes only. So I'll jingle you into this song. You'll know the song, by the way, and we'll see if you can hit the post. All right. Let's see. Am I up over there? Mm-hmm. All right. Wait. Hold on. I think I might have turned off my computer. Okay. And here we go. More music. 17 after 1 o'clock. Good afternoon. Jim Riley here. Stuck in the middle with you on a Wednesday. 98. WRC with Steelers Wheels. This is longer than 8 seconds. It's 8 and then 15. No, see, there's the initial, there's the, there's the primary and the secondary post. Uh, the primary post is when the guitar comes in and the secondary is at 15. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you another try here. Uh, and then we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Um, all right, let's see. Give me a... What do you want? Uh, give me a fast jingle. Okay. Is Brandy there? Yeah. <laughs> Brandy's always somewhere in these things. All right, let's see here. Fast music. 18 minutes after 1 o'clock. It is a Wednesday. Beautiful day. Temperature's going to hit 100 degrees this weekend. Here's a looking glass. And Brandy, you're a fine girl at 98 WRC. There you go. And see, here's the... And there's the tertiary post right there. Well done, Tim Ryan. I haven't jocked since 1996. That's still impressive. Excellent. All right. Ladies I bet and... Jim Rip could do that. Let's, let's, let's find out. From Los Angeles... CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. When is the last time you had to hit a post? Jeez. Long time ago. When is the last time you were a, a music DJ of any kind? 87? Do you think you do you think you could do it now? Do you think you would be able to do it if you had to? A little practice, maybe. All right. Let's see. Are you able to hear? Let me ask you this. Are you able to hear, for example, uh, this? Can you hear that? Hear what? Were you able to hear that song just now? What's, no. All right, hold, let me try it one more time. Is that going down the phone? I can barely hear nah, it. Nah, that's okay. All right. Well, at some point, though. What is it? It was Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress by the Hollies. Oh, the Hollies. I was going to see if you could hit the post on Precious and Few by Climax. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just, man, I don't think I don't think it's feeding the phone loud enough. Let me, let me check my, hold on, let me check my computer. Let me try this one more time. Let's see if you can... Ladies, here's one of my favorites. Precious and few are the moments we can share. Here's my moments. Precious and few. <laughs> wow. Did you hit it? Did yeah, you hit it? yeah. Well, it's just such a, such a fundamentally useless Let's skill. Let's try this one because when I do this, sometimes it deafens the callers, but All right. try that. We'll try this. Well, we'll try it one more time here. 19 minutes after 1 o'clock. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Here's Climax. Precious and few. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I re- hear that, Rip? I heard him say it. I regret that you're not able to hear the song for some reason. You didn't miss anything, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. He he nailed it though. I'll send you this website, this link. There's this the most fantastic website that a listener sent us, it's and fun. it's if, yeah. If you look at the screen, it's eight virtual. I'm sorry, it's ten virtual turntables, and then three virtual cart racks. Uh, cart machines, one of which has jingles, one of which has jock patter, and the other one has liners and promos. And basically, so it lets you sort of simulate what it was like to be sort of a jock back in the day. 
playing a liner into something and then like trying to hit the trying to hit the post on like Joy to the World or whatever. You could yeah. show up with your kids. Do you remember the guy? You remember the guy who's uh, Al B. Shore? Remember him? Yeah. Night and day. Yeah. I was talking to him the other day, and uh, he's now a disc jockey here in L.A. And uh, he was talking about how he used to make records, albums, and I said. Dude, I said I used to have to spin those biscuits. You know, um, he, I said you're lucky. You, all you got is audio storage, the digital storage. You don't have to sit there and slip cue these these albums on these Roscoe turntables that we used to have. Totally. I mean, that, that was that, you know, I I miss that kind of disc jockey. Well, there was. I mean, there was a certain you know, not like everything there was, was skill to it. And now all like, you do is push a button. What the hell is that? And it's not like I, it's not like everything was sort of better way back when. I mean, a lot of stuff. Yes, it, it was. As a lot. Well. I do tend to believe in many ways that the past was sort of crap. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, there's a great uh, essay by a guy named Douglas Copeland called The Past Sucks. Uh, and it was, you know, he's talking about how despite our sort of, you know, looking, looking at everything through the greasy lens of nostalgia, you can sometimes think that everything was better 20 years ago. And a lot of times everything was, uh, a lot of times, things, you know, things are better now. But I will say that there was a certain, uh, a sort of visceral if that's the word I'm looking for, energy that came from from the the physical playing of music and records and whatever. See, I used to like the dance. It, 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 I, I I likened it to a dance of getting the album out of the sleeve, putting it on the turntable, queuing it up uh, as the other one was fading out, ripping and reading something, starting the other uh, turntable with your with your finger on the outside of the of the record as it spins underneath the uh, over the felt, and then when you're ready to let it go. You let it go. I Absolutely. Mean, I, I used to just love that dance. And then when we got into carts, because the uh, uh, the top ten, used, were, they put the top ten on carts and took the 45s away. And it, it, it got to be nothing but button pushing, and it wasn't fun anymore. It was just it became a mechanical act to get to the next event. Well, and there was no flair to it. Well, and it's not only there's no flair, and you know, and I mean, I've I've often said that you know, working in talk radio, we're sort of we're, not just us, but I mean, anybody who works in talk radio, you're sort of spoiled uh, because talk radio is sort of the last. It's sort of the last, the last, uh, you know, bastion of radio without a net. Uh, you know, even when we got a delay and you know whatever, but it's still. I mean, you know, you, you got the the commercial lens and the microphone gets turned on. You better have something to say, otherwise, it's just going to be a whole lot of crickets. Um, but I, like you, will remember. You know, sort of the, the part of the thrill was that. Like, you had to be ready to start that record. You had to have something queued up. Uh, and if you weren't, it was just going to be dead air and just and just disaster. And there was, I think Howard, I think in the movie Private Parts, Howard shows that there's that scene where he's getting ready to queue something up. And I think he actually bumps the needle. He bumps the record player arm. And the needle goes, and skips across the record. I mean, every yeah, everybody We've has done, done that. that. Or you go to the bathroom and you come back and it's, uh, you know, you've been playing Stairway to Heaven. But unbeknownst to you, about 12 seconds in, it started to stick. You know, and it was just, there's a lady, there's a lady, there's a lady, you know, and it was going for like four minutes and you didn't realize it. So you really had to, uh, you had to be on the spot with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, used to, I, used to, I had a good time doing that. I used yeah. to like that. Then, well, so then, you know, but then you could program your own show, too. It was, you know, all you had to be concerned about was the guy before you. You look at his log. If he played the song, you don't play it. Yep. But otherwise, you're programming. Then some bean counter in some corporate office eight states away now faxes you a playlist every day. And all you're doing then is playing records in between commercials. Always right? remember, the best radio programming is done by people who don't ever come to your city and don't know anything about the people who listen to the station. <laughs> Jesus. And who, are, and who are paid to program for 700 stations at once. Yeah. None of which they actually have to listen to. Uh, I uh, one more One final thing. I am actually old enough to remember 
I mean, uh, you know, I wasn't like a freeform FM DJ where, you know, the, the sort of Jim Ladd type where you're making it up yourself. But I do remember having the uh, the box full of 3x5 cards. And the 3x5 cards were, it's like you would have the playlist in front of you. It would be like a, a, like a power or whatever, you know, like a current, like a song that was a current top 40 hit. Right. And then you'd have the so-called recurrent. And a recurrent is a song that was popular within the last couple of years. Right. And then you would have gold. And a gold song is, you know, whatever. It's a song from the last 20 years that was an, that was an indisputable hit. And whenever you would get to the gold or the recurrent, you would have a huge box in front of you, like a Rolodex box or something like that. Or like maybe a box you keep recipe cards in. And it would just be a bunch of 3x5 cards with the cut on it. And you were allowed to pick any of the songs from, like, the first 20 cards. And then you would just stick the card in the back of the box when you were done. And that was what our music rotation system was like. Yeah, everybody had the same. We, we had we had slots in the wall. But it was, it was the same kind of concept. Did you have the slots in the wall where when you played the song, you would then turn the cart upside down? So oh, the, the next, album itself. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the next guy would know that it had been played because you turned. I also remember this, getting them realizing that the song was about to end, and you had about 20 seconds left, and nothing else queued up. And so you're turning over to the huge box of 33s, desperately like going, bop, 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 looking through the 33s, trying to find whatever it is you're going to play next, and realizing that if you didn't, here's what was going to happen. If you did not get it ready, the song was going to fade out, and then you were going to hear this. W-R-C. And then it was going to be going, that's right, WORC, yeah. the hit time is 26 after the hour. And meanwhile, like your hands are going through, you're taking the record out, you're putting it on the record player, you're putting it down, and then you're trying to cue it by sight, because obviously you can't be cueing the vinyl up on the air. It was just, uh, it, it, that, that was really the greatness of old-time radio, is that disaster lurked around every corner. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? All right. Well, in any event. Uh, oh, hey, so you got, uh, is it... It was it yesterday that actually both uh, McCain and Obama were in California. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And so were they? Were they there at the same time? And it, and if they, so, no, not really. Um, even if they were, well, they were in they were in town around the same time, but their events were in different parts of the day. And even if they were, they were never going to meet. You know, uh, McCain is in you know uh, Santa Barbara, Riverside, and Orange County, and then Obama pretty much in Hollywood. So. They, they were never going to really meet. But McCain is trying to court the environmentalist vote, you know, really uh, taking a step out of the Republican playbook and really trying to go green. And uh, Obama's just kind of slapping him in the head about it, saying, oh, yeah, it's good now, but just uh, a few years ago you were voting down all this alternative fuel stuff. You know, all this is just gimmick. All this is just gimmick. So it was actually pretty comical yesterday. I mean, it is the sort of general consensus, I think, that good times favor Republicans and bad times favor Democrats. <laughs> uh, you know, and so. Well, with the threat of, of terrorist attacks constantly, uh, everybody's saying now, or at least so some of the experts are saying anyway, that uh, that could favor McCain because of his uh, anti-terrorism stance or his experience in warfare or whatever it may be. Oh, by the way, did you see this thing about this protest at Disneyland? No. Uh, Tim Riley just handed this to me. Disneyland workers employed at three company hotels wore cartoon costumes as they demonstrated outside of the Magic Kingdom yesterday, uh, protesting the pace of contract negotiations with the Walt Disney Company. So I don't know what they were. Hotel workers? Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, you, uh, local 681 president, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't actually. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, the local 681 represents 2,300 workers at the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, and the Paradise Pier Hotel. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was dopey and sleepy and 
Striking. <laughs> I don't know. That's the worst joke that's ever. A good one. No, that was great. <laughs> so striking and bitchy. All right. I'm sorry. This has just been a whole. This whole segment has just been pointless. <laughs> yes, it has been. But I've had fun talking. All right. Well, we've had fun speaking with you, Jim Roop. Well, thank you. All right. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon, bro. All right. There you go. We'll take a break here in a second. But this doesn't seem right, Tim. It's saying that Joy to the World has two posts: one at five and one at six. That seems wrong. Yes. I thought it was a, I thought it was like a two second open. It no. was essentially cold. No. Hold on, we have to. Oh, that's right. I, I forgot all yeah, about you think that. Of a different one. I'm all, well. I'm thinking that it comes right in with Danny Hutton singing "Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog." Oh, a lot of stations did that though. That's see because that's how I always heard it. Because they would use a shotgun jingle and bang right into it. Yes, exactly. Did you? Well, and there was sort Sarah of. Sarah Stillman doesn't know what we're talking. No, about. she doesn't. She doesn't uh, care. Sarah, are you just zoning out? Or are we, have we lost you in this whole conversation? I remember Jeremiah was a bullfrog, but I always heard the intro. Yeah. I, I worked at stations where it was sort of like uh, for a later era, it's like when you would play Love in an Elevator by Aerosmith off the Pump album. And the, the question always was, did you play that whole opening where the woman is saying, good morning, Mr. Tyler, you know, hardware, children's wear, ladies lingerie, or did you just start it right with that da 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 the riff? And I think at the oldie station where I worked, we always lopped off that beginning. Uh, doing, taking part in an abomination called the radio edit, uh, and uh, and we would just go right to the vocal. All right. So. Or, or the other trick was when they were still using those QRK turntables, you could tweak the speed and crank the speed up a little bit to make the songs go a little bit faster. Well, you know, people don't know that they do that actually in radio now too. Here's a little secret. Here's something that people probably don't know. If you listen, uh, if you are suffering from iPod fatigue and you listen to music radio, here's something you probably don't realize that. Stations now, and stations still do play some things off CD. It's usually, it's almost all out of off of a hard drive now, but occasionally it's off CD. And so there's no reason to believe that they don't do this now off of a hard drive. But for the, but uh, all through the CD player era of radio, which what I would say is like the maybe the mid 90s up until a few years ago, radio stations. In fact, that CD player that we use here sporadically. Radio station CD players are not usually like your CD player at home. Your CD player at home that you just bought at Sears or whatever is not what a radio station uses. A radio station uses a CD player usually made by a, 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 a company called Denon. And Denon makes these CD players. And the big selling point is that they, you know, ours are kind of old, but they, you know, that they don't skip and they play pretty reliably and whatever. The other big selling point of the Denon CD player is that it lets you um, pitch up the song. In other words, you can play the song faster than it's meant to be played. So you can and you can adjust what percentage you're going to play the song faster. In other words, if you go to the store and you buy uh, a Garth, you go you go buy Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. You take it home, you play it on your CD player at home. Well, it plays the way that they recorded it in the studio. When a radio station plays Friends in Low Places, you don't notice it because it's very slight, but they play the song faster. Then it was recorded. The CD player lets you pitch it up and play the song slightly faster. There's two reasons for that. A, because psychologically speaking, when a song is played a little faster, it sounds better. It sounds a little bit zippier, has more pep to it, more snap, as Mr. White would say. The other thing, of course, is if you're playing all of your songs 2% faster, then that's enough time to jam in another 60-second spot at some point during in the hour. So, you know, so where you only had room for 10 commercials, miraculously, haha, you have room for 11 commercials now because you started speeding up all the songs incrementally so. All right. I will, uh, I'll talk us into break here with, uh, I Want You Back by the Jackson 5, Sarah. Then we'll come back around the corner. The listeners will fill in for Mr. Skin 
And uh, we'll have uh, these uh, 14 instrumental songs that have been overplayed to death. So we'll play them more because that's what we do. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. W-R-C. That's right. It's 1.32. It's 32 minutes on the right side of 1 o'clock. My name is Rick Emerson. Thank you for coming along. Still to come, you'll be filling in for Mr. Skin. We'll take more of your phone calls. We've also got CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, who I thought was coming up later, but I realized we just talked to him. So there's no point in forward selling that now. Hey, the headlines are open at 503-733-297. Here's the Jackson 5. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see. This email says, about hitting the post. Rick, dude, can Tim hit the post as a soulful DJ? Signed, Mike, black guy in Portland. Tim? I suppose so. Let's see. Do we have anything? Uh, what do I have here that might be soulful? Little Willie by the Sweet is not soulful. No, that's pretty white. That's, this is the whitest. I love this song. This I is definitely this. the 70s. I have this 45 at home. I think they were one-hit wonder, weren't they? No, 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 no. They had ballroom blitz. Oh, that's right, yeah. And the man in the back said everyone attack, and it turned into a ballroom blitz. That's these guys. And it sounded just like this song. Here's the little Willie song. That's cheating. You can't do You can't come in at the last moment and claim that's hitting the post. Well, you, you stop talking, so you know. It's true. If you quit, that's something to hit the post. Are like you just an, embarrassed about your Michael Jackson failure? It was like an alley-oop. What? Oh, yeah. No, I, I blew that. What a great song. I haven't heard this forever. It's a great song with a great riff and an embarrassing chorus. This does sound like the 70s. All right. Uh, all I've got in terms of soul is this. Tim, let's see if you can hit the post on this. I'm not even going to give you the title and throw this one at you. Uh, all right, Mike, uh, black guy in Portland, this is for you. All right, Tim Riley. Hmm. I wonder what this song is. Oh, you know this song. I'm sure I Everybody do. knows this song on the big hip rate on AM 970, The Talker. Oh, yeah. I've heard that song. Where did you find this? Uh, I found it on the, uh, on the Intertron. Well, here's uh, Stevie Wonder at AM 970. <laughs> All right, that also doesn't count. <laughs> and you didn't hit the post. I hit the post. Whatever. All right. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, your personal post-hitting savior. And now, no. though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So Old Spice deodorant has named Phoenix as the sweatiest city in America. Congratulations. How proud they must be. How proud they must be. Fourth of July around America. What's happening in Bismarck, you ask? Well, the Bismarck <laughs> Symphony Orchestra will debut its new conductor at their Fourth of July extravaganza. The executive director, Karen DeSilver, said the new conductor is a very accomplished fellow. Our conductor is the newly hired artistic director of the symphony. Her name is Dr. Beverly Everett. She comes to us with a degree from the University of Iowa. Um, she is currently the artistic director for the Bemidji Symphony, and this will be her first performance with the symphony here in Bismarck. There will be many North Carolina state dignitaries there. The MC of the event will be Governor John Hoven, and then we will have Congressman Pomeroy in attendance. 
attendance. And um, if permits, uh, Governor Art and Grace Link will be there as well. One of the main attractions is a former Bismarck native. Our artistic guest is Maya Lisa Fritz-Husband, who is a young woman, uh, a soprano, who grew up in Bismarck and is now embarking on her professional career out on the East Coast. I was hoping Bismarck, never to return home again. Bismarck, North Dakota? Yes. Why were there guests from North Carolina who were going to be there? Oh, I don't know. Did I say that? I think you did. I meant North Dakota. They're the same thing, uh, right <laughs> Sure, why not? Uh, which do you suppose is the more sophisticated of the of the two Dakotas? Is it North Dakota or South Dakota? Well, that's a good question. I would say that North Dakota has the edge because of the presence of Fargo, which does seem like a relative... I mean, all things considered, does seem like a relative... They have hunting state. on the city streets, as we learned yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what is this thing on the site called the Snatch promo? The Big Snatch comes to WRC. Listen for your chance to snatch any new record album of your choice from the gigantic $10,000 WRC record stash free snatch. A record snatch of the century. Well, all right. WRC. Play me another song. Okay. Uh, this has got three posts. You asked for one, radio boy. I don't want this one. This is the 970. Yes. A talker. I can't remember this song. <laughs> but here I am talking. You are it up. failing miserably at this. Yeah, okay, you want you want one more? Okay, I'll give you another give one. Give me a good one. All right. Uh, let's see. And All I right. want a jingle before I hand. <laughs> okay. Do you want to wait? How about I just play this again? The big snatch comes to WRC. Listen for your chance to snatch any new record album of your choice from the gigantic $10,000 WRC record stash free snatch. A record snatch of the century. All right, and here's your... More music. WRC. Tim Riley here, live with Big Snatch. He's outside the room right now. Make a cup pot of coffee. How do you like that, Mr. Big Shot? I don't think you hit. The, I don't know if you hit the post I there or not. I'm thrown off by Tim <laughs> <laughs> It's Dingo and the baby. Dingo, Dingo. All right. Well, thank goodness we're not auditioning for anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the day's not over. That's true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really, what? Here's the thing. What job could we possibly get using air checks from this show? I don't know. The only job we no, could... No, we're totally screwed. I know I'm going to have to, like, work in retail or something. When yeah. We, <laughs> with our ultimate oh, no. If this, no, this is... No, seriously. And I'll wait, tell you, wait till we have to sit in the, in the temp ops and try to, uh, you know, answer... Uh, questions with a straight face I, and you know you're wasting everyone's time yeah. including your own i tried to like yeah i tried to join a temp agency and they just couldn't find they anything laugh. for me well, i have no i have no skills no. i have none huh? no skills i uh I push buttons when That's we all were I do. when we were talking to um i mean what are you supposed to i mean what what job are you supposed to get with skills that include the big snatch comes to wrc Listen for your chance to snatch any new record album of your choice from the gigantic $10,000 WRC record stash free snatch. A record snatch of the century. So, I mean, really, how am I supposed to get a job in management anywhere else? Um, that's what I'm saying. So, uh, it, when I was talking to Lisa Desjardins, we talked about unemployment benefits. And I remember the last time I went to get unemployment benefits between gigs and... You know, the, the, the thing where they're going to send you out on job. You have to be willing to go out on job interviews three times a week. And, of course, and then that you write down your skills and what you're good at. 
And I mean, I guess it could be argued that we're sort of decent at what we do here. We should say, by the way, uh, not to be waxing our own car in public, but there was uh, I won't I won't use the name, but there was a there was a radio consultant, apparently, from what I was told, in town day two days ago. Uh, Smoky chimney. Um, no. <laughs> We'll call Smoky it chimney. We'll call Smoky it chimney here. Um, it, no, it was uh, it was a consultant, you know, someone with whom you've worked in the past. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. I don't know who that is. Uh, anyway, but I guess they were doing kind of a little. It's very ironic. A little sort of a yeah, sort of. So a, many years later. <laughs> no, that we're still on a first name basis. Uh huh. Keep going. Uh, but I guess they were doing kind of a mini boot camp. Uh, for you know, for some for some of the the, the the talent here at CBS, and it was actually during our show, so we couldn't be there. Uh, but you know, where they just sort of they, where they talk to some of the jocks and they sort of you know tips on how to sort of be a more whatever more vibrant on air personality. Or change or whatever. your name to the Big Snatch. <laughs> Anywho, uh, but I guess they were doing this big meeting with all of the jocks, uh, where this consultant was talking about how to sort of you know how to relate better to the audience and how to be you know whatever. And I did not find out about this till after the fact, but Chris Paddock and Kristen Bowie both told me this, that apparently this consultant, uh, while talking to all of the uh, the CBS talent, actually played a segment of our show uh, as an example of, I guess, something we did right at some point. What was it? I, I, don't, I don't know. Apparently apparently they had an, a segment from this program that was played in the meeting about the, you know, like how to... This is how you do a test of the emergency broadcast. I guess, or something. I mean, this is how you interview a vending machine guy for nine minutes and pass it off as comedy to a gullible audience. So, uh, anyway, so... but it, Very but it, cool. But it goes to my point that, that those skills, while I guess we have some sort of ability what we do, those skills are useful nowhere else. I mean, there's no other place where I could use any of these abilities. So, really, I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, if this if this gig goes away at some point, you know, if, if at some point... We're screwed again. If we are relieved of our duties, uh, that's it. I'm just going to go sell seashells by the seashore. That is that is. It. Somebody asked me whatever. So, uh, this, are you going to move on at some point to Seattle? Or are you going to? Is this? Are you going to take your show on the road and go get a gig? And that? No, this this is what we're doing. When this is when this is done, friends, I'm going to go work in a kebab shop. So, uh, so just uh, God bless you, best audience uh, ever, and I really do mean that sincerely. And uh, I think this show, we can all agree, has a, some, a special connection with Portland and and with the people who listen to the show now, people who are good enough to follow us from station to station. So, uh, yeah, if if my time in Portland comes to an end on the radio, that's it. Don't look for me on the dial anywhere else. If if this show, and I'm not saying like if we were to go from one station in Portland to another station. Or if we were to go we've from covered quite a few so far. Yeah, I mean, if we were to go from here to some other arm of the CBS family, not that that's really going to happen, but I mean, you know, that would be one thing. But if our time, if the show's time in Portland just comes to an end, don't scan your dial looking from anywhere else. That will, I will, I will be moving on. I will be moving on to something else. I will be, uh, I will be off uh, shining shoes in Tuscaloosa. That's what I'm going to move on to. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, John McCain says that America does not have to bow down to foreign nations for oil. Is he for real? We are sending hundreds of billions of dollars out of the country for oil imports, while trillions of dollars of worth of oil reserves in America go unused. We must assure affordable uh, fuel for America by producing more of it ourselves. And I'm sure they'll make it so much more affordable <laughs> if, we per, if we permit them to get it from here. Uh -huh. then, I mean, the gas price is going to drop back down oh, to a dollar they'll be, something. They'll be, giving, they'll be paying you to take the gas, Tim. Yeah, they're going to be giving it away. Yeah. On street corners.
Oh, this guy. All right. By the way, Richie has just typed on the screen that he himself would seek a job at Silverado or Darcells. Hmm. That's uh, Richie Bristol, who's uh, going to be doing that. The Big Snatch comes to WRC. Listen for your chance to snatch any new record album of your choice from the gigantic $10,000 WRC record stash free. Snatch. A record <laughs> snatch of the century. Hey, speaking of snatch... Uh, <laughs> No, I was going to say, speaking of Snatch, did you see that uh, Madonna and Guy Ritchie are getting a divorce? That was from that Indian news agency. <laughs> do, you dis do you distrust Indian news agencies? Yes, I do, because they outsource everything to India now. Yeah. Guy Ritchie, director of such films as Snatch and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Am I, I don't right? believe that. What? I don't believe the story. You don't? So, but I heard I the story is that she had retained, uh, she had retained uh, Paul McCartney's divorce lawyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an oddly specific story for it to be wrong. It's not like they're just saying they hear there are troubles in the Madonna Ritchie household. Uh, the story actually specified that they actually, they actually named the lawyer she retained. Are you saying that you believe this story to be fabricated whole cloth? Yes. Okay. No. I mean, if, if the BBC picked it up, then I would say perhaps it is. But for some agency in India to pick it up? <laughs> you think maybe it was lost in translation? Yes. All right. I mean, India is where you send things that you no longer want anything to do with. <laughs> I suppose. Did you, speaking of things you don't want anything to do with, uh, after the Patriots, it was the Patriots that lost the Super Bowl, right? That they were touting the big undefeated season, then they lost? I think so. Did you see that story online about how all those Patriots, the, 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 they had those shirts made that said like 20 and 0 or whatever, like the under, the, the shirts that they had prepared in anticipation of a totally undefeated season? And then, of course, they weren't able to use because the Patriots got got their head handed to them in the Super Bowl. And so it's sort of like in Mexico City. They just dumped them all in Mexico. And so there's just these dirty-faced children running around Mexico City with these shirts that say 20 and 0. Uh, there's just no market for them here. So mm -hmm. and I'm looking at, um, Tim, you should Google Madonna divorce in the news. There are like 700 stories about it. Are they all from India? No, there's... Uh, Tim rejects it out of hand. New York Daily News, Entertainment Online... Actress Archives, Courier Mail. Uh, let's uh, go to the uh, telephone. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir or madam, as the case may be. Oh, great. I'm the first caller that gets to follow the big snatch. Hey, is hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Where you How been, you man? You've been gone. Well, you know, unfortunately, I've been out of the loop for about a month and a half with the acquisition of a new job that actually requires me to work instead of making videos of cinnamon consumption. <laughs> you know, jobs that require you to work really are ass. They're yeah. just uh, <laughs> so, is no good. A little, yeah. little, little bit less fun, a little bit more work, but, you know, I asked for it, so I can't really complain about it now. But I, will, I would like to express my sincere hatred for you guys, um, primarily because after getting up from my office the other day and going at, at my office at home and going downstairs to refill my glass. I walked to the kitchen and found myself just finishing the phrase white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. <laughs> uh, my wife actually had not been able to listen for a long time and she listened to the show yesterday and we were playing the white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel thing and I think she only I think she said it took like one and a half times through the chorus uh, for her to get it lodged inside her head. Yeah, I was not it's, a happy camper. It, it, it took me, you know, it, I was trying to get caught up because obviously I've been so far behind and missed so much. And I think the day that you guys did that, I think the next day was the day that I started trying to get caught up. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, she said, white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. 
about nightmares. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a... So there you go. I'm going to have nightmares, dude. I'm telling you right now. Well, glad we could help, my well, friend. Well, the... the the one thing I wanted to double-check with you on, um, and then I can let you guys go because I don't have a whole lot on my brain today. Um, seeing as how you're uh, into the the new show Hurl on G4, yes. have you been catching the second season of Code Monkeys as well? No. In fact, see, because my, uh, my wife and I got rid of cable for a while, uh, and so I'm having to sort of wait until stuff is, you know, like a lot of times those networks will put the show online where you can watch it on their website. Oh, right, exactly. And I've, so I've been trying to catch up on a whole bunch of other stuff. And so, no, I haven't seen Hurl. Uh, which actually I don't even think has started. Hurl, it's like another couple weeks or whatever it starts, but I know that the second season of Code Monkey's out. I haven't watched that either. So well, I have two, two points for you. One, if you buy an Xbox 360, you can now download episodes of Code Monkey's to your Is that true? Because I have a 360, so I could be watching ah, that right there. I, I remember you saying that you hadn't made, taken the plunge yet, but yeah. yeah, if you have it now, you can actually go to uh, Xbox Live and download Code Monkey episodes. Excellent. Fantastic. And second thing, before I let you go, it will bring you to your knees, but... <laughs> The, the most recent episode, well, actually, it was two episodes ago. You, you, you remember the character Todd? Yes. The horn hat and everything. Yeah. This guy creates a game this, this season. The main creature of the game is half rooster, half goblin. You can imagine what the game is titled. <laughs> yes, I can, actually. And it just... <laughs> You that actually just came together in my head. I didn't even is have the, to say it. Is the first half of the uh, creature Goblin? The second half of oh, the I creature see. Goblin. So it's blank Goblin. Yes. Goblin? <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. You're a genius. I, I will tell you right now, if you guys hit the uh, G4TV.com uh, G4 slash CodeMonkeys site, <laughs> you, can, you can hit that episode and you will get the entire – well – the entire second half of the conversation went after he had unveiled it. I'm all over that. Thank you, my friend. It, it, I don't know if it's clean. Well, I don't know if you guys will get in trouble for that. That's, we're going to pass on that, I think. I think everybody can sort of figure that out. It is hilarious. All right. I am completely going to watch it. All right, excellent. I will certainly check it. Stay in touch, my friend. Good luck with the new gig. All right, you guys take care. Oh, there you go. There's uh, the low, ladies and gentlemen. The Big Snatch comes to WRC. Listen for your chance to snatch any new record album of your choice from the gigantic $10,000 WRC record stash free. Snatch! A record snatch of the century. <laughs> ah, here's Tim Riley. So Madonna is squashing these suggestions that her marriage may be ending. I am delighted to confirm that Mr. and Mrs. Guy Ritchie remain happily married, says the star spokeswoman Liz Rosenberg. The news media and the blogosphere have been speculating on the couple's status ever since The Sun published a gossipy article on the web that headlined... Madonna's marriage hangs by a thread. Now, Rosenberg explained that until recently, Madonna, who's 49, and Richie were living in separate countries. The material girl toured the U.S. to promote her upcoming album, Hard Candy. While the director was stationed in England, putting the finishing touches on his new film, Rock and Rolla. Filming a Nike commercial and working on several scripts. Today, the Richies are, quote, joyfully back together at home in London. All is well and wonderful in the Richie household, unquote. The couple have a son, Rocco, and Madonna also has a daughter, Lourdes. And they are raising a uh, Malaysian boy or a Malawian boy <laughs> that they wish to adopt at some point. Okay. What, they haven't adopted him yet? What, did they just steal him? Whoa, what is, what is, where did that just start That's coming from? Computer. Oh, it said to go to Madonna.com, so I did. I was following instructions. I should break. <laughs> I do as I'm told. <laughs> Send me your money. All right, we'll take a break. Hey, here's what we've got, and I'm not sure in that, what order we're going to do this year. We got these instrumentals we should get through today. Because if we don't do oh, it yeah. today, it's just going to be pointless. We got that. Uh, we got to do a uh, goth or not. 
and then the listeners are going to step in for Mr. Skin. Sarah, what should we do next? I wasn't paying attention. What? Anything. The Big Snatch comes to WRC. All right, back after this. Emerson Radio Program. Hello and howdy. 503-733-2970. See, I can hit the post inside a song. I just can't hit the post at the top. Now, what can I don't do? think it counts to hit the post inside. No, it doesn't, Tim. Thanks. Thanks for pointing out my every flaw. Feels good to point out the shortcomings of others, doesn't it? No, I'm just saying. Jerks. We're, we're never going to go back to DJs. No, well, no, we're not, Tim. This is just a little hobby. Yes, it is. A pastime. A sidelight. Like scrapbooking. Yes. <laughs> it's 503-733-2970. All right, so uh, here's what's coming up. Uh, so we'll we'll do this instrumental thing. Later on, uh, we'll do Goth or Not uh, for a pair of tickets to the Earth, Wind, and Fire, um, who I think must be, they must be in some big comeback tour because um, uh, Michael Marishow was talking about them uh, last night. Uh, let's see what else. And then uh, we'll have more news from Tim Riley. So, okay, this is just, I'm just going to sort of power through these. Uh, this isn't even really a top five. It's not. No, it's a top fourteen. I've top got fourteen 15. of these, but we're not. We're just going to play a little bit of each because we had this whole discussion yesterday about sort of spoken word songs, uh, and then we were talking about the, the era of the instrumental song sort of being over, the instrumental hit anyway. And I was talking to Chris Paddock from KUFO about it today, and I think first of all we agreed that Beverly Hills Cop came before Miami Vice, so. The Bever- so Axel F. by Harold Faltermeyer was 1984, and then uh, then the Miami Vice theme by Jan Hammer was 1986. So I do believe the Miami Vice theme, that is the last top ten instrumental hit uh, in America anyway. And I think I think probably the era of an instrumental song being able to go to number one certainly is just, is just over. Uh, but we used to just be up to our eyeballs on these. So this is literally, it took us about 30 seconds to come up with a list of all of these songs that were massive hits. All of them overplayed. All of them tedious now. Uh, but this is, let's see. So let, we'll just go through these one at a time here. We actually played this one earlier. This is uh, this is Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band, uh, a fifth of Beethoven. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Oh, I just don't like this. Doesn't it make you feel icky? Mm-hmm. Makes you feel about like it makes you think of like hairy chests and shag carpet. This is another one of those songs that dates from an era when you could have one big single and never have to work again for the rest of your life. Well, you know what stations used to play these? What were called MOR stations. That Music little, of middle of the road? Well, they would play these to go up to the top of the hour so they could pop them down any time and throw in one more commercial before news at the top of the hour. You know, I used to do that, too. When I would work in, uh, when I was working in early talk, well, not early talk radio, but early for me, when I was working in talk radio in the early 90s. That we, was early talk. We would have, uh, and it was what was before... 
it was before the sort of Rush Limbaugh re- revival. It was when everything was like the Dolans and Joy Brown. And so we would run these syndicated talk radio programs on reel to reel. And they would never quite time out correctly. And we've sort of got that taken care of now with science and technology, but then it, we weren't able to do it. So instead of using this, we used a song by Joe Satriani called Always With You, Always With Me, which is just this sort of like soft rock guitar song. And we would tag the end of every rec- every pre-recorded talk show would have three minutes of instrumental bed at the end to take it up to the top of the hour. And you're right, that's exactly what they would do. And it would be like, this would be between like the Farm Report and Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey just ahead on AM 970. And then this would just play until, you know, the clock hit noon or whatever. Public radio still does it. Yeah. When they take their local breaks, you'll hear music that's playing no talk for like two or three minutes. Yep. That means that somebody forgot to put something into the system, and this is just there to kill time. Not unlike how it's killing time for us now. (laughs) Moving on, we have this. Uh, We're just doing uh, bad instrumentals. We played this one before. This is one of the worst songs ever recorded. I hate this song with a passion that cannot even be described. So deep is my hatred for this song that I almost can't even find any words to explicate it. What is it? Oh, you know this song. You'll recognize it any moment now. As soon as you hear the as soon as you hear the terrible main guitar line come in. Came out in '93. I love this song. Lily was here by Candy Dolfer and Dave Stewart. And it, so, of course, the shtick to this group was he's the guy from the Arrhythmics. And Candy Dolfer is a female saxophonist. And, of course, the video has got all of these really retarded phallic shots of her putting like, the saxophone thing in her mouth. <laughs> oh, like, oh, I can't say that. Sorry. What? Nothing. No, I didn't, I didn't say anything. What were you going to say? Well, no, we probably shouldn't use that. But, I yes. I shouldn't be doing that. She, <laughs> she's putting it deep in her mouth. I'll say that. Okay. Which is attached to her throat. <laughs> um, but it, you'll see this a lot with female musicians, where they'll find a female musician who plays an instrument that is not typically thought of as being cool, but they, but it'll somehow like become cool because she's got like a big rack or something. And so like you'll see this every now and again in Playboy, where they'll be like, so and so is sexy and she plays the violin and she's nude. Uh, and so, so it is with Candy Dolfer because she's sort of passively attractive. I need to look at she Yeah, she's not, you know, she's kind of porn star pretty. She's kind of pretty in a slutty kind of way. Uh, but so if you watch the video, there's just all these stupid shots of her taking the saxophone and going like, ooh. <laughs> I'm like putting it into her mouth. I mean, that's where it belongs. <laughs> that's where it belongs, Tim, is in her mouth. <laughs> oh, she's cute. Yeah. She looks airbrushed in this, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she looks airbrushed in this video, too. That's where it belongs. But she can put it somewhere else, but she's not going to get the same tune. <laughs> well, isn't that true? I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I hope this shows up at the boot camp somewhere. Um, all right, so this is Axel F by Harold Faltermeyer from Beverly Hills Cop, and I was right in 1984. Oh, oh. I... Oh, boy, this is, I mean, this is, this was, I think, a number one single. Not a bad song, but boy, does it sound dated. Yeah. So many of these songs are, are, are sort of, I would say, legitimately classic melodies. But you can just tell. And, and, and because I'm 35, I can't really separate this from the actual movie because it does seem like kind of a cool song. Maybe this recording of it is sort of lame. 
But the song itself, I would say, is still actually pretty great. If you could have, I mean, if you could have this not sound so terribly 80s, it's that, that and that stuff right there is really what gives it away. That there, too. That little, that little harp trill. Ugh. All right. We're counting down the, well, not even really counting down. And we're just doing this list of terrible, <laughs> overplayed instrumentals. All right. This just reminds me. I can't find the proper satellite coordinates for our next talk show, and I cannot find the book. Please stand by as I try various combinations of numbers until I find something. <laughs> well, you're just busy playing actual effort. You're trying to figure out if it's transponder 23 or 54. What's this? This is the only recording I can find of this. This is Scott Daly's opening theme. Miserloo by Dick Dale. Was this I'm written sorry. For Scott no, I. Scott Dalton. There he goes. That. That's what I'm looking for right there. And so this is, of course, a resurgence because of Pulp Fiction. And then I think the Black Eyed Peas use this now. This is 1963. Still a classic recording. But just, he's one of those things that you put it. This is why it was so hard to find this because if you put in this song Miserloo into, into YouTube, all you find. Is idiot frat guys sitting around taking shots of Jägermeister to it and then, like, you know, bumping their chest together. Uh, all right. Uh, so these are all uh, terrible instrumentals. Here's one that Tim will probably remember. Let's see. We're going This is the Edgar Winter Group. Is Johnny Winter in the Edgar Winter Group? At least so. Edgar Winter's an albino, isn't he? Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember this album. You know, for the longest time, I thought this was by Deep Purple. Because it kind of has that space trucking, uh-huh. you know, that highway star sort of sound. Everybody in suburbia bought this, whether they liked it or not. <laughs> it was the thing to do. <laughs> it, it was the album to buy. I'm looking at this now, and it's just so unbelievable. First of all, uh, Edgar Winter's playing what looks to be... It's not even a keytar. It really is just a keyboard that's like slung around his neck on like a leather belt. And next on the high five, the Who's Next album will fall. <laughs> Do you know how long this song is? Oh, it goes on for nine and a half minutes of well, this. Really? Uh, it sounds like terrible porn music, is what it sounds like. The hot water heater's out of my apartment. I guess I'll have to shower here. Take off your pants. <laughs> okay, we're done. Uh, let's like see. The pimp squad is on the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You, did you just, like, go out to find the forest recording? <laughs> Tim? Who's this? This is Tijuana Tax. I think you'll What do I know this from? Curve Albert and Tijuana Brass. Curve Albert and Teeny Weeny Brass. This, I think, gets used. I think this gets used on the Leica show occasionally. I think, I think it's just for waiting music. I think this is like his on hold music. When somebody calls up. Or when he's waiting for someone to realize that they're on the radio. Yeah, and he'll be like, and he'll do the, your call is important to us and will be taken in the order it was. And this is what he'll play. But this is, and it also, you know what else this sounds like? Let me go to the beginning here. This sounds a lot like that, um, that old school 70s coming attraction music they would play in the theater. Where it would be like, please go out to the lobby and have a refreshment. Machete will start after this. Coming next week, you know, and then it's doing that, you know, and now our feature presentation. Let's all go out to the lobby. Everybody loves the drive-in. Herb Alpert of the team, they're the ones that did, um, uh, 
what whipped cream and other delights was that them mm-hmm. and it's like the nude girl covered in whipped cream mm-hmm. yeah it's a famous album cover all right terrible overplayed instrumentals ladies and gentlemen you know oh. yeah this is a song that every single drummer I don't care. You probably even now, in 2008, if you're a drummer, at some point there will come there will come a time in your life when a guy demands that you play Wipeout. You will be at a party and a drunk guy goes, "Play Wipeout!" And if you are a drummer, that's just a thing you know. You'll have to play this at some point. You know who produced this song? Morton Downey Jr.'s father. Oh, Morton Downey Sr. produced this song. And he was an opera singer. Was it Morton Downey Sr.? Yeah. Why do you know that? Because I heard some old radio show for the 1930s. This is, I think, the first song I ever learned how to play in the guitar. This and House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> For re- you know why? And you know, here's the thing. You know why I learned to play this on guitar? My brother was a drummer, and so, of course, he had to learn it. Because my dad would get drunk. My dad was that guy. My dad would get drunk and then demand that my brother play Wipeout, which is exactly what you want to hear when it's like 1130 at night and you're trying to sleep in the other room. Jesus. All right. Uh, let's see what else. This is, we came up with all of these in about 35 seconds. Boy, I hate this song. Tequila. And if you've worked in oldies radio, you've heard this song more than you ever need to hear anything. I just realized there was a really egregious omission from this list. Maybe the most famous overplayed instrumental of all time isn't on this list. I'll have to find that. Ugh. I want to go back in time and find the guy who wrote this song and just shove him in front of a bus. These are all terrible. You were right, Rick. You did your job. These are all horrible, that's what I overplayed mean. instrumental pieces that, of crap. That's what I'm saying. These are all songs, and they continue to play. Who is the target audience for tequila in 2008? Who's out there saying, you know what? I could really use that tequila song I right now. I like an old people's barbecue. Kill me. All right. Sarah's furrowing her brow like you don't know this. Oh, please. I don't think I know this. Get out. You don't know this? Let me I back it up. So. Hold on. Let me back it up here. Oh, this is, can you hear that, Sarah? That's the sound of a thousand, cro- uh, thousand souls suddenly is crying it a out. Is it a movie being... theme or something? Is it a movie theme or something? Your key, you're yeah. right there. That's your that's your giveaway. Did that not just give it away? No. Okay, listen really carefully to okay. this. Really, really honestly, if you can listen really carefully, is the sound of every person in the audience hitting their head against the radio. I don't know. What? what? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Um, Miami Vice? There you go. Okay. The Miami Vice theme song. This is the last uh, number one instrumental hit in America. Not a bad song at all, actually. And it has that shot of the chick going by in the bikini. All right, let's see. What else do we have here? 
I had to play this endlessly. This is Sleepwalk by uh, Santo and Johnny. And thus we conclude another broadcast. <laughs> totally. Broadcast towers located at Perennial Hill. We are licensed by the FCC for operations <laughs> in the county of Multnomah. We only broadcast during the day. <laughs> and in the winter, we only sign on at 7.15. Too late for you to find out whether or not you have to go to school or not. We sign off at 4.15 before you get home in the afternoon. We serve no one effectively. <laughs> we don't even know how we manage the paycheck. As a matter of fact, we pay in cash. All of our employees make $92 a week, and they're paid in the cash envelope. Tim Riley, speaking on behalf of the staff and management, bidding you a very pleasant good evening. <laughs> I actually did that. Well, not so many words. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, all right. Let's see here. Jesus. I had to play all of these songs. That's the thing. Walk, Don't Run by the freaking Ventures. And this is, and here's the other reason why all these songs exist. If you work at some dirt heel radio station with no budget, they are on five or six different commercials. <laughs> some playing the same. Exactly. Course. They never have a production library, and so you, as a DJ, you're sitting there hoarding instrumental songs in your locker. Like you'll find a copy of this "Walk Don't Run" song, and you'll put it in your locker and put it behind a big pad, a padlock, so that none of the other DJs have it. Because at some point you're going to have to do like a mattress commercial, you know, or whatever. You're going to have to do a commercial for like an oil change place. You know, and you have to do, say, Mom, come on down and get the station wagon service this Saturday. It's crazy Saturday. That means a regular oil change is only nineteen ninety nine, and you know, and this is playing in the background because there's no production library. All right, we're almost done. This one's just for to death. this one's uh this one's for you, Tim. This is a different version. The original. This is live. Oh, this is a live version. This is Percy Faith and his orchestra live in nineteen sixty. See, and even Sarah knows this for reasons that pass understanding. We all know this, but I can't think of the last time it was used except for Animal House. I mean, the fact that Sarah doesn't know the Miami Vice theme, but knows a theme from a summer place is kind of weird, don't you think? Why would you even know this? I have no idea. No one. It's not even that I've watched Animal House that much either. Yeah, I mean, I know it from Animal House, but I can't think of where else I would know this. And yet, we all know it note by note. All right, we've got uh, two more here, and then we'll be done. And then we'll never have to do this bit again. Here's one from the 80s. I thought I had an eating disorder. <laughs> <laughs> silk yeah. stockings will return after this. No, silk stockings would be sexier. Uh, USA. It'd be sexier. What would the uh, what would the Lifetime movie be that goes with this music, Sarah? It would be a um, a woman whose husband left her and she was brokenhearted, raised, left to raise the kids by herself until she finds love again, and then they have sexy time. He cooks for her, <laughs> and then he carries her upstairs and they put on a soft focus lens. And she's wearing her shiny beige silk robe. Curtains are blowing in the breeze. Yes, and he gently places her on the bed and. Is her special is her special love a shirtless Mexican gardener? <laughs> no, I'm picturing Patrick Duffy. <laughs> pre pre Grey's Anatomy, Patrick Duffy. Oh no, I'm thinking Patrick Dempsey. You're thinking actual Patrick Duffy? <laughs> yes. Patrick Duffy from from uh, television actor Patrick Duffy. Hi kids, I'm TV's Patrick Duffy. All right, all right, and finally, this was Susan Reynolds' suggestion. 
Love is Blue. Oh, yeah. Which is the a, original. I didn't know this song uh, by name, but I knew it as soon as I... Uh, yeah. As soon as I actually heard the song. Ugh. You know what I forgot to put this on this list, French though? I have the most egregious omission, though. Do you know the song I left off here? I'll play it when we come back, actually. That's a little bit of guarantees. I'll play it when we... I have to be done with this. Uh, I'll play it when we come back. Uh, we'll come back, we'll do the news, and then the listeners will uh, fill in for uh, the vacationing, Mr. Skin. Oh, we'll come... find something else instrumental. We will come back with the... And I'm embarrassed that we forgot to put it on the list this morning. The most overplayed instrumental, I would say, in the world of rock, in all of radio history, when we come back. We will come back with the most overplayed instrumental in the world of rock radio. Period. Flat out. Hands down. No getting around it. You've heard it in every commercial. You've heard it on every radio station. You're sick of it. It doesn't need to exist, but we'll play when we come back. Uh, plus, Tim Riley. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This is the one I missed. Green Onions, Booker T and AMGs. I mean, yeah, this I, is in everything, right? I would imagine at this point I have heard this song in 500 commercials in my life. I mean, I, I, it's sort of a point of pride with me that I don't think I ever actually did any production where I used this. Oh, you know what else we forgot is Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. That gives me the creeps. Tubular Bells, yeah. That was my ringtone for a while, and then I had to, I had to stop it because it was freaking me out. What is Tubular Bells? It's the Exorcist theme. Oh. Do you know Tubular Bells? I don't think so. Hold on. Tubular bells. Hey, you know, when did kids stop saying totally tubular, Tim? Oh, I don't know. That was a long time ago. All right. Is uh, that out of touch, really? Let me see if I can... Um, no, what? not you, Tim. Rick. No, I'm just asking. That was a thing they said, and now they don't say it anymore. That, that is true. That's a, that's a thing that stopped. Wait, hold on. Let's see if I, can, I think I've got tubular bells right here. It doesn't sound like tubular <laughs> bells at all. <laughs> well, perhaps you don't have it. Wait, hold on. Uh, wait. No, here we go. No. We have a segment for this. Tomorrow. What did that say? Oh, I can't find it. No, it's something else. It's it's the music from it's the uh, da 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 da. <laughs> oh, that! <laughs> you shut up, you stupid. And now, though, from the Ministry no, of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A truck, a big 18-wheeler packed with fireworks, crashes on the I-84. It turned over to the side. Breaker, breaker, one nine, Teddy Bear. I won't be coming over today. <laughs> Dump the big load of fireworks. Find someone else to molest you. Close out one lane of I-84 for about six and a half hours. It was pulling a semi loaded with fireworks westbound on the I-84 near milepost 209, passing the old Umatilla Bridge. You mean Niner? Yes. Went for some unknown reason and veered to the right and struck a guardrail. The combination of vehicles impacted in the guardrail dumped the whole load. Luckily, none of it exploded. These are Pyrogodzilla fireworks, of course, made in China. And nothing went off. So, kids, go down and fix them up and help uh, clean up that mess. <laughs> oh, this is it. This oh, is yeah. the bells. This is the exorcist thing. It's the case of the non-existent ninja. Public schools in Bogota, New Jersey, were locked down briefly when somebody reported seeing a ninja running through the woods behind an elementary school. Turns out the ninja was actually a camp counselor dressed as an engine carrying a plastic sword. 
The man was late for a ninja-themed party at a nearby middle school. The lockdown began shortly after 9 a.m. It lasted till 9.30. Nobody was hurt, and the ninja returned to his party. Excuse me, it's 9 a.m. I'm late for my ninja-themed party. <laughs> what the heck who, is wrong with who goes to a ninja-themed party at 9 in the morning? That really is a good question. All right. It is it, but he wasn't questioned anymore. Oh. I guess that's maybe for people who work third shift. <laughs> Perhaps. Are they supposed to dress up as ninjas? Hey, <laughs> Speaking of third shift, have you noticed how everybody started using that phrase, fourth meal, like as a real word? Oh, like the Taco Bell commercial? Yeah, my wife has started saying that. She's like, blah, 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 fourth meal, blah, 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 blah. I don't blah. think that's well, everybody. Well, Sonic just sent some coupons out say, inviting people to come over for a midnight milkshake. Like, that's what America needs right now. <laughs> America needs America needs calories in the middle of the night. <laughs> come on and get a midnight milkshake. You too. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, Tim Riley's out. Good afternoon. No, he's not out. Tim, you're here for another minute or two, aren't you? Uh, yes. No, I have to run back to the newsroom to prepare more news for the people. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, top of the hour, all the way through like us. All right, excellent. Hello, sir, your madam, as the case may be. Hi. Uh, sir, is the correct form. Yes. What, what's up? Uh, you did forget one uh, instrumental song, hmm. uh, Hawaii Five-0. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yes, well, if we're going to keep doing like movie themes or uh, TV show themes, it could be like Beverly Hills 90210. I suppose. They, yeah, that's the thing is we almost – I don't think we did any TV show themes, did we? Oh, oh we no, did Miami Vice. Hawaii 5.0 was a hit in its own, and obviously because it was on TV, but I think it got into the top 40, if, if I'm not mistaken. That is true. No, and you know what? We also forgot classical gas. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Listen to that. Hey. It's like you were choking on something. No, sorry. I'm, all I can think about is I got a new playlist for my iTunes. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's what I do. All right. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Rick, you've got to say hi to my mom and sister, too, because they're listening. Hi I'm there. I'm sorry that I told you to listen, and then it was... Never mind. Hi there, Heather and Mrs. Dillon. Uh, good to uh, see you hi, today. Hi, Mom. Hi. Sorry you had to be subjected to all of the uh, all the terrible instrumental music. It's hi. Right. Sir, oh. madam, as the case may be, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, sir. Hello. How's everybody hey, doing? Hey. Um, well, I had a couple of suggestions for the list. I know people keep calling up and adding little things here and there. But uh, uh, Rumble by Link Ray. Rumble by Link Ray. That's a good one. Well done, sir. I had I wouldn't have thought of that my own self. Yeah, and then there's like another one. Uh, there's uh, Raunchy. There's that guitar song, Raunchy. That's also an instrumental. That was a big hit. And then like another big one by Link Ray is, uh, oh, man, uh, Jack the Ripper. I mean, I, I, I swear to God, the... Uh, uh, oh, man, I can't think of his name. Anyway, uh, Music to Watch Girls by by Bob Crew and his something or other. Um, it's like a, a song that you don't know by name, but when you hear it, you you just like uh, remember hearing it in a million places. Well, that was like that Love is Blue song that Susan Reynolds came up with that I, I completely I didn't even know it until I heard it. Like, you know what it is? Some of those songs are like character actors uh, where you don't know their name, but you may go, oh, yeah, that guy. I've seen him in a million movies. I've seen movies. him everywhere. Yeah. Think it's the musical M. Emmett Walsh. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Excuse me. Three more to your list. And this depicts me, you know, growing up in the 70s, but there's no escaping them. Uh, the Entertainer. Oh, d completely The Entertainer. Oh, that was one of the first piano songs I ever learned. Yeah, that's the first piano song everybody ever learned. <laughs> in your face. And that's an optional ringtone on my cell phone, by the way. I almost picked that as my ringtone just because, you know, I entertain. And then uh, I decided no, because I just can't hear it anymore. My dad had the soundtrack, because that's a Scott Joplin song. 
uh, but then it was made popular again in the 70s in the movie The Sting. Yep. And my dad had The Sting soundtrack on vinyl. And, of course, that was the only song I ever listened to. I would just sit there and I'd play The Entertainer over by Marvin Hamlish over and over and over and over and over I again on vinyl. I play that. da 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 all right, thank you, sir. Well, I got, I got one more. Yes. Another ice cream music box dancer. Oh. Damn it! I was just listen. This is exactly were you, what I was were you just queuing, right now. Were you queuing that up just now? It's forty-four minutes after the hour. Just ahead of top of the hour news. Coming up later on, all things considered. Plus, David Sedaris will join us. He has some whimsical <laughs> observations about eating at Subway. All right, thank you. And, and Nadia's theme. Uh, Nadia's theme. Okay, go away. Okay, bye. Thanks. Let's not forget Lara's theme from Dr. Zhivago, which is what, by the way, what my wife is named after. Uh, my wife, this here, Somewhere My Love. This is, a lot of these you really have never heard or you don't hear anymore unless you listen to M.O.R. Radio. You know what? I finally really, like, you've said that I have a weird knowledge of instrumental music. Hey. It's probably all from piano. Totally. Did that's you, what I'm, yeah, because I've so learned, piano I, I knew how to play this. Because it's sort of, the, that's like the early, it's like the, the uh, what is it, it's sort of the, the first steps in in all mm-hmm. of piano lessons. Hello, sir. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm Dandy. Hey, um, well, your, your last guy stole my thunder because I think Music Box Dancer is the worst song of all time. Hey, don't but, knock Music Box Dancer. I like Music Box Dancer. Stop it. Anyway, I do. No, you don't. I sing the whole thing to you right now. Okay, go ahead. Do you do you remember the bridge? Oh, um um <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. I'm fast forwarding into my head. No, all the drums kick in. There is no bridge to this song. You're making that up. I know, dude. Uh, oh, bastard. I was just... Because there's no bridge. All there is is just a little breakdown when the percussion falls away, and he just starts up the main melody line again. Yeah, it's flatline dumb all the way through. All right. So, How can I help you, um, I my sarcastic friend? I, uh, there's a great one by Richard Clayderman called Last Dance, which everyone knows, but nobody could probably uh, name. But then the one that you guys forgot that... No, I'm sorry. That's my classical <laughs> gas. Pardon me. Did I just pass classical gas? All right. It, oh, last dance, yes. My mother's listening. Wow. I'm sorry. Anyway. I'm sorry, uh, Mrs. Dillon. Oh, and hi, Mrs. Dillon. But uh, the, the, the worst, the, the second worst song ever, which is the theme from Chariots of, uh, Chariots of Fire. God bless you. I love you all. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye now. I love the Chariots of Fire theme. You know, I I didn't play any of the uh, any of the dozens of awkward sound bites we have from you, at least. I don't have any awkward sound bites. Don't you, Sarah? Do I, Rick Emerson? No, I'm nothing. I'm a very quiet. I like is to have one on either side, yeah. evenly balanced in my mouth. <laughs> what is that? We were a yeah. lesbian couple. Rick, I were used you? it to suck and squirt. <laughs> oh my God, what are those? Okay. Are you done? It's... I actually say I'm gay all the time. Oh my god. Is that all? You almost made me choke. Where did you even find super itchy and it sucks? <laughs> oh, there's many things you can do with carrots. <laughs> oh my god. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Rick, hey, uh, 
forgot uh, a couple that I either missed. I that I had to take a call in the middle, but um, I didn't hear Pink Panther or do you moratorium on anything Harry Mancini? You know? uh, no, we played Pink Panther I think last week. Actually, we were doing top hit. But that, that, I mean, except for the fiberglass commercials, now you pretty much don't hear that a lot. Right, uh, uh, Chick Corea, the Peanuts. Theme, oh, really? yeah. No, that's true. All oh, right. my God, and that's near where I'm guilty. Oh, I'm so glad we did this today so that we can have these. And, Sarah, you were totally right about doing this early in the hour so that we can do these phone calls and get them done. Mm-hmm. And then after the day, never do this again. This seems like it was either a really great or a really terrible idea, one of the two. Oh, and, and you know what else? No. Brag it on yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Should we take a break? Yes, let's do it. Let's take a break right now. Okay, and don't play any more of those. I'm going to tape my knob down and just see if I inadvertently touch it. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Dillon. You're such an ass. Be back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. You stay right there. The Rick Emerson Hit Parade continues next on AM 970. Build a sex temple. I don't mean for this to sound sleazy, but what do you wear when I put my baby in you? I better take off my pants. Take off your pants. Let me go to uh, the horny slut.com rape proof like bosoms. For bosoms? Uh, which are plentiful. It's really possible it's being hidden in my butt. You must take my seat. I'm sweating for the anus. No matter what you do in your life, you will never be as retarded as I am. Well, that's fine. Hey, Richie, we'll do these calls here, uh, and then we'll uh, and then we'll do goth or not. So I'll take these two calls. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks. You're so welcome. Oh, thank you, Rick. Yes. Thank you. I was hoping maybe they had to stop to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we now have the soundest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, we did not get to the audience takes the part of Mr. Skin today, so we'll do that tomorrow. Uh, so Dorothy Carcassari will join us tomorrow. She's in the Hamptons. I didn't even know there was a big Christy Brinkley divorce thing going on. But I guess she's there covering that. Uh, so, oh, i got to make a note to uh, go to National Enquirer, to their website, and watch. I always feel back. She goes, Rick, have you seen my video on National? And then I haven't. So i gotta, I got to make sure that I do that. Okay. I don't wish for her to think less of me. So tomorrow, Dorothy Carson, Harry for the National Enquirer, and uh, y'all will fill in for the vacationing, uh, Mr. Skin. So we'll do these calls, then we'll play goth or not. For a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, this coming Friday at the Amphitheater at Clark County. Also, a Night of the Champions prize pack from the WWE. A Night of the Champions prize pack, WWE. Don't forget to tune in uh, if you missed Night of the Champions. No, I'm sorry. I'm doing this backward. I'm reading the wrong copy points. Um, don't forget, all WWE titles are on... This doesn't make any sense. This copy is written so... You've got to get it out. We're limited on time. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, I'm just going to skip it. Hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted to call up and touch on one of the things about the entertainer that I think you guys might have missed. Ice cream trucks. Always with the ice cream trucks. You know, they're always playing that... um, they're always uh, what is that one song the ice cream trucks always play? It's either, it's either that or the dog one. The the dog one. Uh, oh, dear ears hang low. Yeah. All right. But I always heard it with the entertainer, and I remember I hated that song simply because I once chased an ice cream truck five blocks and never caught it. Why okay. did you? Ch- because you were so desperate to have ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, if you can chase an ice cream block. A truck five blocks, you're probably in shape enough that you deserve whatever you catch at the end. You know what I mean? If you get yourself an ice cream, it's fine. You probably have a coming. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you. Anyways, love Ready Whip, especially the chocolate kind. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you. All right. Final call before goth or not. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, how are you guys today? What's, what's up? Hello? Hey. Uh, two quick little things. Yes. One, last night I saw uh, a rock and roll type uh, of a Mythbusters. It's called the acid, the rock acid test. Uh-huh. And they did the thing where can a guy really get electrocuted if he's on stage playing guitar and touches a mic? The answer is yes, by the way. Yeah, they blew out his heart and the cheek pack and everything. It was, thought you might like that. The other thing I just want, I don't mean to pester you, uh -huh. but I'm the one that dropped off the vinyl albums and the Dead Moon uh, yes. uh, b -b -b documentary. Yes, sir. And did you ever get a chance to put that on your computer? I started working my way through it. I should be done by the end of the week, sir. Okay, no All problem. Right. Thank yeah. you, my friend. Have a good day. You as well. All right. Let's play Goth or Not, shall we? All right, Richie, we're going to take caller number five right here for Goth or Not. It'll be your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday at the Amphitheater of Clark County. Tickets also available through all Ticketmaster outlets. Yes, can I help you? No, I was just thinking of that last soundbite you played of me. I don't know in any context why I was like, you don't need to play again. Don't play it again. What you soundbite? Don't need to play it again. I don't. Please don't. Should I not? You can play it. I'm going to tape my knob down and just see if I inadvertently touch it. I don't even know why you would have said maybe that. Maybe I was talking about the board. Uh-huh. I Maybe. I mean, were you all... I mean, what, uh, what knob would I be talking about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dear God, they're not thing. Never mind. It's 503-733-2978. We can ask the listeners. Uh, we'll take caller number five here to play Goth or Not. Uh, and you'll also win a... Uh, if you win this, you'll also win a copy of... Um, you win a... I can't read this copy to save my life. Night of the Champions prize pack. And don't forget to tune in if you... <laughs> I can't read this. I'm just going to skip ahead to the other part. Don't forget, all the WWE titles are on the line at Night of the Champions. Don't miss Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Undertaker, Batista, and your favorite superstars as they battle for honor and championship gold at Night of the Champions Sunday, June 29th, live at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific, only on pay-per-view. Okay, we're ready to right. go. Yes, which caller am I taking here, Richie? Right here? All right. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You ready to play goth or not? I'm Rick. All right, so you're playing for a WWE prize pack and a copy of Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets. I'm going to read you some gothic poetry. Be winner. This is going to be a bummer. Seriously. Arr. After all this work reading the copy, uh, you must tell me at the end of this poem if it's real or taken from the Internet. Okay? Excellent. Here we go. And thus I learn I'm nothing. A moment in a dream. A week of torment is revealed in an instant. And I am nothing. Once I had... Then I lost. I care too easily. I want to care. I need to care. But my care is destroyed. And then I am nothing. All right. Is that from the Internet or did I make that up? Internet from the Goth. That is Goth. Exactly. That is, uh, that is called I Am Nothing, yes. unsurprisingly. Uh, written by some dude online. Well done, sir. Excellent. All right. Thank you. I'll put you on hold. Richie Bristol, he wins a pair of tickets to Earth, Wind, and Fire. And the WWE prize pack, which comes with frustrating and flummoxing coffee points. Coffee, <laughs> coffee points, coffee points. <laughs> Jesus. I'm so glad wow, that... Wow, you're in rare form today. I'm glad that consultant was using this program as a way to demonstrate to the other DJs exactly how they should work I'm really glad that my family's hearing the show for the first time in like four years. Hi, how you doing? All right. Uh, let's see. We want to thank Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castamal, and James Roop. 
join us tomorrow, and our guests will include uh, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer, and you, yes, you, filling in for the vacationing Mr. Skin. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phone's Richard Bristol. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. Uh, Webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. Director of Engineering is Brian Jones, and of course, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan Reynolds. See you all tomorrow, my friends. Thanks for listening. Like us next. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Bye. The Big Snatch comes to WRC.